So today on the basement, two grown ass men talking about cartoons. This is Woo! nice. Yeah, this is nice. It's been a while. It's been a few months. Carrie Vishwanathan, welcome back to the basement. Thank you so much for having me on the basement. I am super duper stoked to be here talking about animated films. Yeah, and getting in touch with the inner child in me. Yeah, no, we we've uh, we we you know it's kind of cool. You're you you. It, you and like three other people, you know, come back to the show every now and then and rehash out just stuff we're watching or just like little themes of stuff we're watching. And yeah, I got to say, you know, having you on is always a kick-ass good, most likely two and a half hours. <laughs> and, um, so what we're certainly, doing... It, it certainly makes the two hours go by a lot quicker because like it's, it's yeah, like you said, it's so much fun to talk about movies with you. So it's... Thank you. you know, Thank you. That's cool. why I have you back. It's yeah. cool. I got like, I got like contributors. I'm like, a, I'm like a news outlet now. I got these reoccurring characters on the show. <laughs> so what we're going to do here today, as Carrie just said, we're talking about animated feature films and, you know, like you and I always do, we cut an episode, we break apart for like a month and then we rehash ideas of what we're going to do. And we've been meaning to cut this for a while. And um, we've had some time to look at the animated films that we've liked. And I have, a, you know, I, I know what yours are. You know what mine are. Well, we know a few of what each other's ours is um <laughs> but i i got a few disney films just to kind of tease it and i got a few anime films and then i got a probably one of my gosh maybe like top 25 of all time i'll put it in the top 25 um to kind of cap off the show and i think we have probably a lot of other titles we're going to throw out somewhere in between on things i've honestly had so much fun doing the quote-unquote research of just binging so many animated films from my childhood and i got yeah. like a wave of nostalgia <laughs> and i just was just thinking i felt like a kid inside just like you know just watching these animated films but i also just had like crazy decision fatigue because like my my top five list kept changing <laughs> like yeah, every day I, I feel like this is going to be an episode where you and i like in a week will be like fuck i should have put such and such on like the list and so, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I guess after the fact, in an Instagram post, if you want to let us know what your favorite animated films are, you know, whatever. But um, I'm, I'm going to wake up at three in the morning and be like, fuck, Pokemon the movie 2000. I forgot about that. Damn it. I have to say my honorable mentions when we get to them later are one of the films, the film that is part, I think like the first 20 minutes is actually live action. And then it turns into an animated feature. And I, I tracked it down and I had not seen it. It's, it's adapted from a picture book um, mm. that I had, I loved when I was a kid, when they turned it into a movie. Oh my God. I can't wait to, I, I don't really have a lot to say about that one. Cause there's like not a lot of really internet research I could have done, but yeah. Um, but like, I don't know, just before we get started, like, I guess, it's kind of a generic question. Like, why do you love animated feature films? I guess first and foremost, oh God, it's such a long ass answer. I can't even think. So, I mean, first off, really, like I said, it makes me feel like a kid to watch these films. Mm -hmm. um, I think they're, they give me a sense of childlike wonder. Like when I'm watching them, I just feel like I'm diving straight into someone else's imagination. And yeah. these, and animated films, it's almost like the, they exist within the realm of impossibility because you're seeing images that you probably you'll, you'll never see in real life. You're, 
you're, you're seeing these characters or seeing these worlds being creative, just like all this fantastical stuff that's just happening. And, you know, it's just fun to like watch, you know, different styles of um, animation and artwork from different animators. They're different takes on what makes a good story. Mm-hmm. Um, I made a list of shit. Hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> it also fuels my creativity. Like I've noticed like when I watch an animated film, like they just, they do things that I guess as a filmmaker, like, cause when I'm, when I'm watching a film, I mean, you, you know this, like, I mean, there's, there's times when like, when I'm watching a film, I feel like every shot is, it serves a purpose. There's like, there's a definitive element behind how each image is telling the story and moving it forward. And you could tell obviously like animators, they're hand drawing it and they're, they, they, they've been prepping this for months. They've been storyboarding it. They're trying to work out the, the color. They're trying to work out what style it is. And they just like, it's, it's just months of prepping and planning before they actually get to like the making of. And just to see that like in two hours of just like how these images string together to tell a story is really, really cool. Um, and as a filmmaker, it's just something I try to strive for to you know is is to find an image and have it have a meaning behind you know the overall you know mm-hmm. arc of the story um see if i left anything else out um no that's that that's pretty much it <laughs> all right no no cool I, I i feel you on all those fronts it's i i i'll say this about like obviously one of the the big brand of animation disney obviously yeah. I mean, but there's other there's other organizations companies that have a cool aesthetic to animations but in terms of disney disney does a good job i feel of i'll not watch a disney film for years and i'll definitely touch on that point on my first one in just a few minutes yeah um and then i'll go back and i'll just watch a Disney Pixar film or something. And I just get hit with this, like, Oh yeah, this is why I love this medium. Like yeah. it, it, there's just something about it. It, it. it brings out the child in you. You're able to do things that you can't do in live action. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I always kind of forget. I like cartoons till I'm watching cartoons and yeah, there's yeah. those uh, cartoons do bring around it cartoons do bring out a nostalgic factor there are some you know cartoons i've gone back like saturday morning cartoons i watched when i was a kid that are now on disney plus or something that i'll rewatch and i'll be like yeah it's cool but they don't hit like how i did when i was a kid because i was like oh they really were targeting a kid's audience and maybe it's just not for me anymore but like i still appreciate you know what it's trying to accomplish and i feel like the films that you and i both put on our list here today uh still hold true even when you're an adult and i think that is a sign of a good animated feature length film uh, or even a short but we're talking about features tonight obviously there was also one thing i wanted to add that when i was and i mentioned this on our first pod that before i became a filmmaker i wanted to be an animator Mm -hmm. and i would obsess and binge over so many cartoons and I actually went to a, I took a summer course um, at this place called Barker's Animation where they taught you how to actually draw what are called cells, I think, where it's just basically like when you're drawing the actual cartoon character and you're, and you're, you're, drawing, the, you're drawing the character and you're filling in the paint, I think, and then they, they take that cell and they, if I, ha- I don't know if this is 100% correct, but 
they bring it to to the machine where they like they print it and then they they print every cell. It's kind of their animation cells basically. So like picture a flip book, but just like it's all see through paper and there's paint on it. That's mm-hmm. basically what it is, I think. Okay. Um, I also wanted to preface this interview by telling a really funny story about um, how I used to think that cartoon characters were real. So when I was six years old, um, there was a movie called Fern Gully: The Last Rainforest. Do you remember that movie? It was on the preview. I- I've seen it, but yeah. what really makes me remember it is it was always on the previews on the VHS tape of the first Home Alone. Yeah, and <laughs> if I and and correct me if I'm wrong, but there's, in some of the promos. There were scenes where the Fern Gully characters actually crept out of the television and interacted with the kids. So I that, saw that uh, as a six-year-old, and I'm like, oh my god, that's amazing. I must get Fern Gully, right? <laughs> so cut to Christmas of uh, that year. I think I was six. My mom gets me Fern Gully and VHS. VHS, because mm-hmm. that's how old, how old we are. Yeah. Um, I pop it in the VCR. It's playing. I'm waiting. Cartoon characters are not coming out of the screen. Oh, and the six-year-old of me is like, "Wait, hold on. That's wait, wait a minute." And I, I and I, I tapped on the screen. I was like, "Maybe it's broken or something." And I kept playing. And I'm like, "This isn't this isn't happening. What's going on?" They're, but on the TV, it said they're supposed to come out. I can play with them. And it was just like, I was like, "This is the worst Christmas ever. Nothing's happening." Mm-hmm. But it wasn't actually the worst Christmas ever because I had a great Christmas. But that was when I learned that cartoon characters were not real. However, they are real in the hearts and minds of our imagination and they yeah. continue to be real because of the inspiration and joy that they bring to us. So. Yes, you're absolutely correct. <laughs> um, with all that being said, and before we get started, I just want to preference. And I, I think you're, I, I think we talked about this right before we started recording. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think you, you might know just with your aspirations to get into animation, you know, you might know more than me about like nuts and bolts. I don't know, but I, I'm I'm coming from literally a how if this film made me feel kind of perspective. So for any animators out there, I apologize ahead of time if I might sound like I I'm not even going to try to sound like what I'm talking about with how you actually animate something to make a movie. It's not really my knowledge of expertise. Um, I'm just coming at it from a fan's perspective. So I just thought I'd preface the preface that before we get started. <laughs> That's noble. Um, yeah. I will. I will probably try to attempt to describe animated terms and probably f- and fail horribly, but I will do my best because I love animation. So, alrighty. Yeah. Well, then you are my guest. We both have five. Probably going to say more than five, but like our yeah. concrete five <laughs> list. Um, you you are my guest as always. So you have the floor first. All right. So the first movie on my list is a Disney movie that came out in 1998 about ancient China. I think you already know what I'm talking about. Mulan. I've heard a great deal about you, Mulan. You took your father's armor and ran away from home. Impersonated a soldier. Endangered the lives of Thousands of men. And destroyed my palace. But soon the world will know the great things you have done. Father, the greatest gift and honor is having you. 
don't even know where to begin. Um, but I guess one of the reasons I like Mulan, I mean, first and foremost, it's about ancient China, which I have a fascination with. So to actually see that in an, in an animated film just immediately was captivating to me. Um, I guess you've all probably seen Mulan, but I'll tell, I'll just give the synopsis briefly. So basically it's about a woman who enlists herself in the army uh, because China has been invaded by the Huns and they ha and you know the armies of China have to band together to stop them. So Mulan impersonates a man and goes into the army to fight the Huns. She basically, um, her father was a her father was originally enlisted, but she went in his place because he had a wound and couldn't fight, and she wanted to you know, and she knew that in order to save his life, she had to make the choice to go. So. Um, one of the things I liked about Mulan just off of the bat was, I mean, it's a great adventure movie, first and foremost. Um, the animation is gorgeous. Uh, even if you look at like the yeah. intro of the film, there's um, there's this interesting medium called, I'm, I'm actually taking it right now. It's called Sumi-e painting, which is basically a painting with the calligraphy brushes. And so in the first intro sequence, you see, if I have it right, it's like parchment, but then you see like this paint slowly coming slowly stroking the frame and it forms these swirls which turn out to be clouds and then you see and then you know the the camera keeps pulling back and you see like they're they're drawing the great wall of china and then the title comes up and i'm like i'm in this is awesome um that was quite a breakdown of like animation right there oh dude it's <laughs> like i, I think you can shit. i think you're good with talking about some like technical aspects of this and i'll say this dude for literally the next Tyler, the next 20 years of my life, every time I drew, I drew clouds or doodled clouds, I will draw in the style of the Mulan clouds. It's insane. Interesting. Um, not really insane. Anyway, I'm talking about clouds too much. So um, it's a great adventure movie. Um, just right off the bat, has great character arcs. So Mulan is obviously a girl who's trying to find herself, as we all are. And she, I guess, um, I mean, the movie, you could say, has themes of honor and doing what's right for the family and you know, upholding sacred, upholding traditions. And she's, a, she's someone who likes to speak her mind and is independent, but obviously her heart's in the right place. And she wants there to be, I guess, I don't know if equality is the right word. Maybe it is. Um, but she's, you know, someone who wants to take charge and, um, you know, pave her own path for her own destiny. So um, that was just something that I could really relate to. Um, and you know, obviously there's a lot of great, there's a lot of great artwork. Like there's like the, the, the temples, the Chinese temples that were, were really well drawn. The, um, the gar Mulan's, Mulan's, um, garden in the back with like the green, with the pond and the, and the koi and the green, like everything was just, I could go on and on about the animation, but it was just something I really enjoyed. Uh, Eddie Murphy's Mushu. Uh, yeah. Loved it. Yeah. <laughs> He's Eddie, I mean, you know, it said Eddie Murphy's my hero growing up, so it was just fun to see him play a dragon. Dragon, not lizard. I don't do that tongue, thanks. <laughs> I'm going to just quote Eddie Murphy, Eddie Mushu, as I go. So, um, But he's great. Um, you know, it's kind of funny because I'm. it's already triggering a few funny fun memories, but in elementary school when um, we used to have this running joke. So in the film, uh, what happens? When Mulan meets, when Mushu meets Mulan, and he does that whole like, <laughs> he does that like scary silhouette monster like, yeah, you know, uh, shtick. 
And he's just like, I am the indestructible Mushu. And he comes out and he's like really small and tiny and shit. And Mulan's just like, really? That's who I, I get? And Mushu gets offended at one point and says, you know what? Dishonor. Dishonor on your family. Dishonor on your cow. Dishonor. Mulan is a horse, by the way, but Mushu keeps calling it a cow or a sheep. Yeah. But we, my friends would always, like, every time we bust each other's balls, like, you know, someone were to say, hey, uh, Tyler, your mic wasn't turned on. I'd be like, dishonor! Dishonor, <laughs> Tyler! <laughs> and this would go on and on for months on end, but that was a great... It's just a nice little pop cultural reference. Um, and there's obviously a lot of great things. I mean, one of the things that sticks out for me was the avalanche scene, which was just, like, yeah. one of the probably one of the best action scenes I've ever seen in a movie, but also actually kind of inspired me to strive to make <laughs> army, epic army movie, epic army scenes just like that. So in the scene, I'm spoiler alert. You've, you've, you've seen the movie, so I don't just, I mm. need to spoil it, but <laughs> not for a while. Yeah, exactly. So um, it's basically like, <laughs> I don't even know how many Chinese officers, but there's not a lot. And then there's like a Coliseum of Huns that are charging at them on a snowy mountain and Mulan basically eyes them down from up top grabs what I think is the last cannon Mm -hmm. runs down the hill aims it at the mountain fires it off Mushu by the way is riding on the canopy (laughs) because because you think because you think Mulan is going to aim it at the um the head hun uh, Shan Yu who's charging at her but instead she aims it at the mountain and I love that scene when Mushu when when she fires the rocket and Mushu says you could you miss he was three feet in front of you and then and then all the snow goes down the mountain and this was and this is one of the things i loved about the animation because it's like a wall like a tidal wave of snow coming down on this han army and sean Yu just looks looks at the avalanche looks back at mulan he is just furious and pissed like you mm. motherfucker mulan there's a look on mulan's face where she's just smirking like i got you motherfucker yeah and like and so it's a, it's a whole thing. And then the avalanche almost washes down everybody, but Mulan like gets on the horse, saves her unconscious um, superior officer. They, um, you know, they, they, they almost fall off the mountain, but Mulan ties the rope to the horse and shoots it. And the, and the other officers grab it and pull her up. And I'm like, this is such an awesome action scene. Like, yeah. I, I love the movie, but after that scene, it was just like, it just reached a whole other level. Like I was like, this is the best movie ever. I love it. Um, uh, B.D. Wong's a Chinese officer. He's very good. I love um, Harvey Firestein as the um, as um, I can't remember the names of the but the three the three male guys who are like the 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 supporting characters are really mm-hmm. good. The, I know what you're gonna yeah yeah the skinny guy the, the the skinny guy the the stout guy and the and the heavyset guy they're really funny. Um, the songs obviously can't have a good Disney movie without a great uh, series of musical numbers. Um, be a man is uh obviously a classic. Yep. Be a man is just like I remember my friends and I were camping and we were hiking up a mountain and we literally sang that song as we were going. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my god, this is so great. Um, Girl Worth Fighting For is great. When will my reflection show? I really that's actually my favorite song and I relate to it so much, but it's hard for me to sing that song around anybody because I'm a guy and well, I don't know. That Wait, is that the Christina Aguilera one? Is when <laughs> yeah, it's the when will my reflection okay show? i got you <laughs> well i sung it there so clearly not that embarrassed but that's all good no. i don't know if it's a, it's not a, it's not that it's not a guy thing i don't know what i'm saying no, but it's it, a great it's, it, i mean she was it's like a great a, song 
Yeah, no, it, it's a well-written song, you know, sung yeah. by a pop princess. So I think, you know, it's like guys shouldn't be into that shit. But no, dude, you fucking like it. You better like it. I, I, yeah, I could totally relate to that song on so many levels. Just, you know, being a guy who's shy and has to hide behind a proverbial mask, as it were. I don't know, but it's 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 a lovely song. Um, and I was, I'm trying to think what else I wrote. Just the imagery, like even the 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 scene when the soldiers come across the village and it's all ravaged and there's like a red sky. It was like really just haunting and but also beautiful. Um, the climactic scene with the fireworks and the um, what I'm assuming is Beijing or some kind of they don't have to actually mention um, any of the cities, but it's called the Imperial City. So, but it's like kind of a heightened version of the Forbidden City. Yeah. Um, it was really great. I mean, all in all, just a great animated film with lots of cool artifacts of Chinese, ancient Chinese culture. And even to this day, I've, I watched the film and I think it's, it's the Disney film I relate to the most. It's not like, I'm not, I'm not saying like all the other Disney films are, are, are not as good as this one, but it's the one that I personally connect with the most. But you know, that being said, there's a bunch of lovely Disney films with this one was for me, like at one of my top favorites. So Yeah. Mulan, yeah, it rounded out the decade of what I thought is was a very big decade for Disney in the 90s. I mean, yeah. from the beginning to like from Lion King comes out during that, that, yeah, um, Beauty and the Beast, yeah, Her- Hercules, Hercules, Tarzan, yeah, oh, yeah, like that was yeah. just at 90s Disney. There's so much nostalgia for it from people our age. I, I mean, like, look, you could argue, I mean, the 80s were kind of a hard time for Disney, I heard. Uh, a lot oh, yeah. of a lot of management restructuring going on from what I watched on the documentary on Disney Plus, but <laughs> they really got it right in the '90s. I felt, and you know, you could argue every generation, not generation, decade after that, like Disney put out quality good stuff into the new millennium. But there is yeah. something about that ten-year window. I just, I, I yeah. like, yeah, I haven't gone back and watched Tarzan or Her- Hercules, but like, I know damn well those are good movies, and Mulan definitely yeah. is too. I did get around to seeing the uh, live action also when that dropped on Disney. Of Plus. Mulan? Yeah. Oh, uh, I didn't even touch that. <laughs> I heard it's I thought terrible. It, I thought it was good. I, I, I liked, okay. I don't know. I do. I did prefer the animated, uh, uh, the film we're talking about here, but. I've also heard there wasn't any singing and I'm like, nah, bro, you don't have me there. That's that. That's All right. A, I that's feel like, no, I, I thought it was. Uh, but, but. Okay, what are you saying? Sorry. No, no, I just I thought it was a just like production design wise because yeah, I am a fan of just that. Like I watch, you know, I I I'm someone who likes martial arts films, but I like martial arts films also that look and have that really good production design quality of ancient imperial China whatnot. Yeah. Oh yeah, Chinese films are full of that. Like, yeah. Almost yeah. All the good, all the good big martial martial arts epics. They're bound to have like. Yeah, great set pieces and also just huge crowds. I don't know if you've seen Red Cliff, but that was another yeah. like big, just epic movie. All right, not to sound like an ass, but like I kind of feel like that's like when when people when when people say like Mulan has like you know great set pieces. I'm like, yeah, but you know, so do a lot of other Chinese films. But you know, no, I, I know. completely agree. We um, definitely we definitely were spoiled with a lot of great films from the '90s, and it wasn't until like later when Disney films kind of reached a little bit of a decline and. 2000s when i just thought wow like disney just delivered like every yeah. film just great stories great songs there's li- literally like either one or two iconic songs per 
per film in the 90s. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. All right. That's Mulan. And this might go against everything you just said about the 2000s. They kind of got bad. (laughs) Okay. Um, But this is the end of the 2000s. This is 2009. My first pick of the night. My first pick of the day. We're recording at night. (laughs) But is 2009's Best Picture nominee. Up. Yes. I love Up. (laughs) today sir no i could help you cross the street no i could help you cross your yard no i could help you cross your help all his life carl frederickson dreamed of adventure today his adventure is finally taking off I've said on this show plenty of times, I shouldn't say plenty of times, it's not like I say it every week, but I feel like once or twice I've told the story about when I saw Up. And so it comes out, I think it was like May 2009. And I was going to the movies once, twice a week, maybe even three times, depending on what was out. Wow. And, awesome. and it wasn't like I was the cinephile of the group. My friends were just, no, I'm not trying to talk shit about the people I went to the movies with, but like... <laughs> They all were like, let's go to the movies and we'll hit the bar. I was like, let's go to the movies and I might catch a double feature. Actually, you guys go to the bar. Um, so we went out on a $5 Tuesday. Like, I feel like oh, 15, wow. 15 of us like went out. It was me, some friends, some girls tagged along. And uh, we see we go to see Up. And I have not seen... I really was out of the loop with Disney and Disney Pixar for a while. I... Yeah. I think before that, the only thing I'd really seen was Finding Nemo. 
um, which didn't make my list, but I love that movie. I love that movie too. It yeah, made yeah. my list and went off my list, but it is one of my favorites. Yeah, I, I, I had it floating around for a while. Um, shout out to Ah, floating. <laughs> yeah. I uh, see what you did there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 cool. Um, <laughs> but so I'm sitting in the theater. I, I I'm just like I I'm 21 years old. I don't. I'm thinking I don't really give a damn about Disney movies anymore. And yeah. up hits the screen, and I think it also had like a little Pixar short before it, which was kind of cool. I love it when Pixar shorts it. have always been really really fun. Oh my god, amazing. Yeah uh so the f- opening scene of up is you know these two kids and it's um the main character carl when he's a kid and he meets this girl ellie and they just you know carl's this kind of dweeby looking guy but he's like adorable like, he, like <laughs> and then what it does for the next 10 minutes is it takes you into um their life as they grow together get married and whatnot and you know oh, yeah and I don't think anybody expected it. The first 10, 15 minutes, and it is a roller coaster of what happens in their life together. And I'm not I'm trying getting to getting emotional them. just thinking about it right now. All right. So all right. So here's the thing. Like I get I get emotional over that opening scene, yeah. but it's a scene I'll talk about later that really okay. gets me. Yeah. Um so basically what happens for anybody who hasn't seen it, and I'll just warn people ahead of time in case they haven't, yeah. you learn that Ellie cannot conceive a child. And they do it in the most Disney Pixar way. They just go to a shot of them in a doctor's office after it's believed that, you know, they're going to have a baby and she's got her head down and everything. And you're just like, oh, and then from there, you know, things pick up. They decide they have this goal to move their house to this place called Paradise Falls. And, you know, it's kind of this unrealistic pipe dream for them. But yeah. and it never happens like life happens and they end up growing old. And then next thing you know, Ellie passes before Carl does. And mm-hmm. Carl's left alone. And that yeah. prologue is just like it, it was like another Pixar short, except now you got to do the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. And so we meet Carl. He's like this grumpy old. I don't know. I'm just going through the plot point point for point. Yeah. But um, I just feel like it's just such a good plot. And. Carl's this grumpy old man living in the house and he's got like a, all these big buildings being built around his house, but he's like not giving up his land. Yeah. And the most unrealistic thing is, you know, he's about to get his house taken from him and the next day balloons shoot out of the roof and the house floats away and adventure ensues. Uh, This movie got me back into Disney and Pixar hands down. Hmm. I feel like I just didn't really gravitate towards the medium or the genre or the style for a long time. Um, I, I, I absolutely love the animation on, or the look of Carl, the main character. There's a sidekick is a little boy character. I forget the little boy's name. It's on the top of my head. I'll look it up. Um, He's this boy scout trying to get like the, this badge and whatnot and he ends up getting trapped in the house as it floats away so they become little sidekicks and they meet a dog that's got this uh collar that says what the dog is thinking and you know there's the old inside joke of him going squirrel squirrel (laughs) hi i'm dog yeah (laughs) i will be your man you are my master and i love my master squirrel uh yeah 
That was um, another uh, quote that my friends and I would quote nonstop. Oh, yeah. Pe- people yeah. do it all the time. It, um, it, the kid's name is Russell. And then Russell. Like, yes. Yeah. Um, they, they link up with this guy out in the middle of nowhere um, when the house kind of lands. And supposedly they're trying to fly the house to South America where Paradise Falls is. Carl's trying to get the house because he feels like he owes it to Ellie because she didn't get to do that in her life. Mm-hmm. And... Um, they link up with this guy who looks like the animated Kirk Douglas. I, <laughs> I don't know if that's what they were going that for. That is but a dead on description of that guy. It the was, whole time I'm watching, I was just like, like, it's fucking Kirk Douglas. <laughs> um, I forgot to, pre- they modeled him, they I forgot to, him. I forgot to mention the scene where in that prologue where just the emotions hit you and it fucking hit me, dude. Like I'm looking over at the the girls we were with, um, and they're bawling their eyes out, and I'm looking over at my friends, and I can tell they're trying to hide it. And I had a uh, hat on. I tucked that thing low. I was like, "Oh <laughs> my god, I'm crying," and I, I I have no control, none, no control for it. I never up until that point. I I mean, like you know, I've had movies make me misty eyes, but like. I've Same. maybe been able to fight it off, you know. <laughs> I couldn't with up. I couldn't yeah. do it. And then the real dagger hits you. And it is after Carl has gotten the house next to that waterfall that Ellie and him always wanted. And yeah. there is this, there's no dialogue in the scene, but it says so much. Um there's kind of a tone going into it. That's just beautiful. It's just like, okay, he did this thing, but now what, you know, like you've accomplished this feat for this, for the love of your life, even though she's no longer here with you. Like, what are you gonna do now? Like, you're just going to go sit in your chair next to a waterfall, which I think is the point of up. Like there's the theme of there's always adventure out there. And, you know, you know, yeah, you're an old man, but you still got to keep going. You still got to keep going forward. He goes inside, sits down, looks at his um, scrapbook or a photo album of him and his wife throughout the years. And uh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, let it out. It's fine. I can't handle that. <laughs> I'm not crying. I'm not fucking crying. Um, but I'm not crying. I'm just misty eyed. <laughs> he's just, he's looking at the photos and you sense that like depression of he failed her. And then oh, yeah. like, as he's about to close, he sees something on a page and he flips it and he sees all these photos of him and her throughout the years. So happy and together. And then he, the fucking, ugh, the fucking stamp on it is she left him a note that said, thank you for the adventure. Now go have a new one. Oh, and you're like, yeah. oh. I know. like I needed a cigarette, man. <laughs> <laughs> Like to this day, it still gets me to this, like just to this day. I think it gets anybody, whether you're married, single or not, like it's just something about it. Like people yearn for that kind of love. Yeah. And like, and then, you know, he gets up and he decides, yeah, he's got the house there and he's got to go help the boy, uh, Russell. And yeah. And then action ensues and adventure ensues and he saves the day and whatnot. I don't know if I'm doing a good job giving an analysis of the plot, but 
one of the most beautiful there's, things. There's a ever. lot of great stuff to unpack in Up. It's just, it's hard to summarize. But those are like my two films. favorite yeah. points in the movie. Yeah. But what really hits me is I think when he goes into the house and looks at the um, photo album, we don't really know where the house is. I think, I don't know. But at the end of the movie, the last shot is the house next to the waterfall that Carl and Ellie always envisioned where they wanted to be. And it's just there. It's an empty house now. And it's kind of this like bittersweet thing. Like he, he got it there for her. And I don't know. I go back to up so much. It's I, I you can see why it got nominated for best picture. I mean, the Academy's not going to give it the Oscar. I don't think, I don't know if, I don't know if the Oscars have ever given a, best picture winner to an animated feature film i could be wrong on that I, yeah i don't know um but this was just a movie that i was like okay i can get it i can get into disney like <laughs> i can and like moving forward like yeah. after that i rewatched some stuff i missed out on and i've kept up with things i mean obviously with a kid now I, i'm gonna be probably watching a lot of disney i think i've watched moana like four or five times oh it's so good Oh my god, that's that's a good one. Like that's that's that that one's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, it makes me miss Hawaii when I think about when I watched Moana. I'm like, it's just so the adventures. So. Yeah. The rock in it is the <laughs> yeah. He's, but um, real quick on last thing on up. Uh, yeah. I always loved the look of Carl, who's voiced by the late great Ed Asner. Yes. Um, legend. Legend and perfect for the role. Yeah. plays the ultimate grouch while also plays such a heartfelt performance as well yeah. his I, voice just captures it perfectly that yeah. gruff but that heart of gold voice is just yeah so and how he like still talks to his wife even though she's gone yeah. um i've noticed something with disney and how they kind of animate old people elderly people yeah and they just almost make them look like these cute little children like there's a children element to them and carl yeah. i think has that face really well like yeah it's a you know he might be like a grouchy old man but there's i don't know there's just something like he i don't know he still looks very much like the little kid at the beginning of the movie it, it's i've always admired that with how disney crafts their uh their elderly in their films um so i, don't know I love Cap that carl oh sorry no you go ahead I love that Carl almost looks squarish, like stout. Yeah, his jawline, yeah. And at the same time, Russell's kind of round, but there's sort of a nice, lovable innocence about him. Like, yeah. I don't know what it is, but I love that. And it was almost like, I'm I'm probably jumping the gun when I say this, but I know that I think they modeled a little bit of um, Miyazaki films. Um, they modeled off of Miyazaki films because there's a whimsy to up that's a little bit different than the yeah. previous Pixar films, I think. Like, they really... You're, it's almost like they don't really say this is how the world works. They just kind of give you these like very obscure concepts like dogs with talking collars and, a balloon yeah. and balloons that lift up the house. And I feel like they've been doing a little bit more of that like in the recent, in the last 10 to 15 years of Pixar films. Yeah, I, think. I, I would agree. Um, yeah, just like these kind of out there like, yeah, that's never going to happen. But you're like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm along for the ride though. <laughs> it's It's Pixar, you can take my money, just whatever. Yeah, just, it is. Yeah, whatever. It'll sure. Be, it'll you know, how this guy, this this ninety year old guy, just filled up his rooftop with balloons overnight, and he can like barely walk. Sure. Yeah, I got. It. I believe you. 
Um, but that's up. I love it. I, a lot of people have seen it. A lot of people feel the same way I do about it from any times I've shared my experiences with it. And it, it just, it had to be on this list. So I love the part when Doug comes back and he's at the porch and he's just like, I came back because I love you. Can I stay? <laughs> I love look it. Look in when, his eyes. I'm like, Oh my God. It's so cute. I love it when he's up floating in the air, the house is up and Carl just like looks out onto the porch and we're thinking he's alone. He thinks he's alone. And there's Russell in the corner, just like holding yeah. on for dear life. <laughs> I think that moment was in the trailer. And oh, I was good. like, oh my God, that looks so. And I remember being like, that movie looks so funny. Thinking the entire movie was going to be a comedy. <laughs> what was it like? He was like, can I come in? No, close yeah. the door. And then he opens it. Come on in. And he just runs in <laughs> frantically. Okay. Uh, moving on. What's up next for you? All right. My next pick is called i feel like it deserves a better intro so the next film i picked is a stop motion film starring uh two iconic characters from um britain i'm talking about wallace and gromit and it's their movie wallace and gromit the curse of the were rabbit in 2000 they answered the question what do chickens do when no one is watching. Now, the creators of Chicken Run are back with the pair that started it all, Wallace and Gromit. Gromit, old pal, I'll need assistance. One's an inventor. Just a bit of harmless brain alteration, that's all. Who never says die. Full suction. The other is his dog. Who never says anything. They've made gadgets. They've made contraptions. And they've made a movie. From DreamWorks and Ardman Studios, get ready for action. Suspense. Mystery. And vegetables. I have the most terrible rabbit problem. How on earth would they ever catch such a big rabbit? Oh, come on, Grummy. A bit more... Alluring. and Gromit, the curse of the Were Rabbit. Oh my God! Look, I. This is like a. Um, sorry, I kind of cut you off. You were getting ready no, no, to no, start go, talking go, go. again. No, no, it's the second time I've done that. I'm so sorry. It's all good. Um, no, what I was just going to say is uh, I am so aware of these films, but I've never seen any of them. Oh, shit, so really? Please. The floor is yours. Oh, my fucking God. Okay. Um, wait, are we allowed to swear? Or is this, is this, is this episode going to be for kids or can I just? That's whatever? true. Maybe. I mean, if we swear, we swear. <laughs> but we can we can dial it back a little bit. <laughs> One day when your daughter listens to this episode, I'll be like, wow, like there's a lot of swearing in these animated talk film talks. <laughs> I don't know. 
I don't know. Okay, so um, Tyler, for the sake of being a nice guy, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but I will be very. I'll try to be not too vague about it. So, okay. Wallace and Gromit is a charming adventure about uh, this inventor and his dog who live in the north of England. Um, Wallace is a man who is who loves to invent. He's eccentric. He has a warm heart. He's obsessed with cheese and crackers. Gromit is his um, best friend and personal assistant. Not personal assistant. He's his best friend because he's a dog. He's man's best, best friend, but he goes on adventures with him and he's kind of the sardonic like um, he's kind of the guy who well, Wallace is sort of the silly guy and Gromit is the guy who reacts like rolls his eyes and is kind of like the the guy who says like, well, like, you know, he's, he's the, he's the silent type, but like, but he always has these reactions with his eyes that he gives about like, if Wallace were to say like a really funny pun, like Walt Grummet would roll his eyes or something. So yeah. um, that's just the, the general shtick of it. But um, in the movie, um, how do I say this? There is a creature lurking among the neighborhood called a were rabbit that bursts into people's gardens and eats their vegetables which is very inconvenient because it is around the time of a vegetable festival that's about to be held and the townspeople are having a um, a crisis and they basically hire Wallace. Wallace works as a, um, how do I say this? He, if there's a rabbit that's basically invading your garden, he'll come and he'll rescue it. And then he'll just like, you know, he's, he's a rabbit rescuer. Like he, his, uh, his company is called Antipesto. So they basically go to your house, they take your rabbit, and then he basically brings it back and gives it a home. And that's 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 basically what he does. And in the midst of all that, he does some, um, <laughs> how do I say this? He tries to hypnotize the rabbits out of not wanting vegetables by using a machine called the Mind Manipulation Omatic, which uh, does a little bit of harmless brain alteration, according to him. <laughs> um, and in doing that, he this experiment goes a little awry and what happens is, is that it brings to fruition a giant rabbit that comes um, out every full moon that wreaks havoc, eats the vegetables and pretty much throws the whole town in an even larger upheaval. And they are basically demanding that Wall stops the rabbit by any means necessary. Um, I won't say anything more because it is a great film. Um, I am an idiot. I do not remember the name of the guy who stars as Wall who voice act who's the voice actor of wallace um but it does have helena bottom carter who plays his love interest and ralph fines who plays the villain nice um, it is a very yeah it's a it's a great it's a wonderful film let me just look at the name of the guy because i don't want to freaking like i just feel weird not saying it peter salas i don't know who, <clears throat> uh he's the voice of wallace so basically um and this is more of a recommendation for you, but for anybody who hasn't seen any of the Wallace and Gromit shorts, there are three out right now. Um, Grand Day Out, A Close Shave, and um, oh, what was the third one? The, the Wrong Trousers. Oh, four, sorry. There's there was one more that came after the movie called A Matter of Loaf and Death. So I guess to break down why I love this film, I, I just think overall, it's just a nice, charming, innocent film that's for all ages. It's just a very creative innovative um there's a lot of, i mean how do i say this i'm tired it's like it's not it's 8 30 <laughs> um basically i mean if you watched any of the other wallace and gromit shorts you'll know that there's a lot of just innovative and funny visual gags and you're just gonna get, get a lot more of that in this film mm -hmm. um 
there's a scene where oh, I can't even give anything away. I just don't want to. But um, okay. if you watch the trailer, you will see there's a lot of, I mean, it's just, there's just a lot of funny moments. Um, I guess one thing I could comment on is that there's um, the bunnies in the film are particularly adorable. Um, they have really big noses and they have these really like high pitched squeaky voices <laughs> and they're just mischievous. There's a scene where um, what, when, um, when we go back to Walsh and Gromit's house, um, Gromit is chopping up some carrots and feeding them to the bunnies. And there's a scene where all the bunnies just hopping over to like a pile of carrots and just eating them. And I guess just here, just the foley of like the munching and the bunnies hopping and all that. Just really adorable. I just love it so much. Just, ah, oh, it just makes me feel good because it's just so cute. Um, but there's a nice, um, I mean, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that the movie doesn't really go out of its way to be like edgy or like yeah. go for like the, the, the hot button of like a joke. It's just kind of like a modestly funny, but also very quirky and very silly, um, action adventure horror film that, you know, um, I, I mean, I, I love it. I love stop motion. I just love the creativity behind it. I just have a huge respect for anybody who can sit, who can just like, work for hours and hours on end to just move like yeah move i don't like, know the patience you have to have i i've actually done it once and it's really cool i only did it for there's only like a 10 second like i made a 10 second video of a penguin cool falling yeah. from a tree and, and the beak fell off and it runs over picks it up puts it back on i think it was at a it was at the university of california is that some museum where they had a exhibition on stop motion i think mommy might have to correct me on that but um it was a really, I mean, I, I love stop motion. It's something I've actually always wanted to do. And it's cool to see something physical and tangible being animated. And also mm -hmm. in addition to that, like, it's just like, just the, the look and style of the characters where they have like big eyes and big mouths and their teeth is like kind of overbitey and their lips are huge. And it's just like kind of a yeah. nice, I, I just, I, I love the style of, of the Wallace and Gromit universe. It's just a really wonderful thing to watch. Um, and uh, yeah, you should definitely watch the other shorts before I watch this film because they're they're all amazing. So um, I feel like I have watched the shorts. Yeah, because I I know exactly what you're talking about. I I just I I never sat down and watched the feature film version of it. But yeah, I know there was a no saying. I I was just saying I know what you mean with the stop motion aesthetic. It it is really there's just a I don't know there's it just it's very pleasing. Yeah, especially in in um in 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 this universe, <laughs> it's really pleasing to just. I mean, I, I mean, I'm only I'm obviously I've only done it once, but it is kind of cool to actually see like the fruits of your labor play off when you play yeah. it back, and you can just see all of the the whole motion comes together. That's what I love about animation, just like when you're creating and you're actually seeing it come to life after working on it for so long. Because like you know, when you're a filmmaker, all you have to do is just push a button and sit back and watch something unfold. <laughs> but yeah. with animation, it's just like a completely different uh, animal or boy rabbit as it were uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. okay <laughs> i think it was nominated for oh it won it won the uh oscar for best animated film so if that doesn't create enough nice hype, yeah nice it's 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 a great film it's as a as a great story there's great comedic payoffs it's just it's a fun film it's great so is it, is it available anywhere like streaming um amazon and okay. i think i don't know if it's on hbo max i had to pay for it on amazon but i actually own it on dvd so i only watched on i only i watch i watch 
on special occasions I watch good animated films on the on the screen because I just want to see the the best picture quality. So yeah, it was it it, it was very deserving of that treatment. So <laughs> all right, so my next one, I am absolutely petrified to talk about because it has such a cult following and i i i love this movie but like i feel like there's probably millions of people out there maybe even some that listen to this show uh that could out talk me on this but i'm still gonna shoot my shot uh this is a landmark in japanese animation but i also feel it's a landmark in animation just in general as a whole uh this is a movie that has been streaming on hulu if anybody wants to see it uh since i think i've been aware of hulu and it's it's hailed as like when people think anime you think this maybe a few other films but a lot of people say if you want a gateway into japanese animation you start with 1988's akira neo tokyo is about to explode. Streamline Pictures presents a state-of-the-art adventure, Akira. So let me just, I don't want to maybe, I don't really want to butcher a plot synopsis here. So I'm just going to read off on IMDb, a secret military project endangers a Neo Tokyo, endangers Neo Tokyo when it turns a biker gang member into a rampaging psychic psychopath who can only be stopped by a teenager and his gang of biker friends and a group of psychics. Uh, (laughs) Yo. (laughs) Uh, this, This starts with one of the, coolest um like police chases scenes in like the first 10 minutes it's it's just iconic uh the shots of neo tokyo i believe this takes place in after supposedly world war three and there's this whole deserted side to tokyo um and then there's this you know there's this new neo tokyo and when you think of like the genre of cyberpunk, whether you're thinking about um, films or just books or comics uh, and whatnot, Akira is one of them. I think like Blade Runner is like another one. Like Akira and Blade Runner yeah. could take place in the same fucking like world. Honestly, um, I wouldn't be surprised if Akira like borrowed the the style of Blade Runner just I, from its look alone. I believe Akira is based off of a 1982 uh, manga. 
I'm, oh, okay. I'm I'm not sure about that. Again, like I said, I'm, there's people out there who probably know a lot better than I do. Yeah. Um, but this is just has some of the most beautiful. Sh- in for 1988, I mean, I know like by then animation has gotten really, you know, as up the ante, but I feel like Akira is just a film that pushed it forward even further. Uh, there's just shots crafted in it throughout this film where I'm just like, how the fuck did they make that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the tempo, the, the score of this movie has like this very kind of tribal um, tone to it that paces well with a lot of like the action sequences yeah um for years hollywood has been trying to do a live action akira film i heard taika was going to direct it and leo was going to be starring in it is that right I, yeah i i heard taika watiti um was attached and then it just like went away and i heard like leonardo DiCaprio was either gonna like star in it or he's like executive producing hmm. i and then i hear like christopher nolan's attached to it and then that oh wow and then like and then the big thing was i feel like a few years ago like jordan peele was in the conversation oh and then oh. that went away and it's funny enough in uh his new movie nope <laughs> um love that movie there's okay I have still not seen it. <laughs> Are you serious? I can't, I, dude. I can't get out to the theater like I used to. Um, oh yeah, you're dead. That I sense, well, but... I mean, I can, but like, yeah. I'll, I'll honestly, I've just been waiting for stuff to just hit streaming now. So, <laughs> oh man, yeah, <laughs> I'm kind of a hypocrite does, lately. When it does, though, yeah, you gotta see it. It's so okay. Um, I'll take your advice. But anyway, Jordan Peele, who I guess he was in the conversation or being circled to direct a live action version of Akira. And I guess he's an, a huge fan of the movie. Uh, he's, I guess no longer in talks for it, but there's a shot in Nope. I feel, always feel weird saying that title. Like I should just go, Nope. <laughs> nope. But I just go, Nope. <laughs> um, there's my a review shot. for Nope. My... <laughs> no, sorry. This is unrelated, but my review for Nope on Facebook was my review of Nope. Semicolon. Yep. <laughs> um there's a shot of i think and maybe you'll know it better than me uh kiki palmer's on a motorcycle or something Mm -hmm. and she does this kind of like i think i saw in the previews she does this like turn on the bike and slides or something the camera kind of moves up to her or the camera's kind of on her while Mm. she's turning that is literally a shot from akira okay uh there is in the first 10 minutes there's this kind of epic shot where the, the two biker gangs are chasing each other and um i think it's the main the one of the main characters um tetsuo like or maybe maybe i don't know i forget which one it is one of the main two characters does that exact thing on the bike and people are like ah jordan peele couldn't make akira so he just put a shot of it in in his new movie <laughs> When in doubt, just pay homage to your favorite anime. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I really hope um, they don't, I don't know, like, I've, I don't know what your take is on this, but like there's been a few animes that have gotten the live action adaptation. I know the Ghost in the Shell movie from like five years ago got a lot of flack. Yeah. Uh, mainly because Scarlett Johansson's playing a, Japanese person. <laughs> yeah, I heard about that. It didn't really bode well. Um, no, it, I saw the movie. Like, I, I felt like they were the filmmakers were trying, but I don't know. It just kind of felt 
yeah, just kind of fell flat for me. It wasn't really for me. And I, and I love ghost yeah. in the show, but I, I feel like ever since Sin city came out, like studios have been trying to sort of like recreate that, that magic ingredient of like adapting yeah. a beloved comic into a movie that kind of hits all the notes of, Oh, this is like a visually stunning film. That's different from just like a regular live action. But I, yeah, I, I feel like it doesn't really succeed on that level, but there is a part of me that thinks like there is, there is room for like, somebody to just make a film noir that's not even based off of an anime but just take elements from anime and just put it yeah. into the style that's actually something okay i'm kind of just going off but that's something i wanted to do in a movie someday so <laughs> oh it's completely fine because i think yeah yeah because like i i'm going off the beaten path too because like i just watched the cowboy bebop netflix series yeah and from the get-go i was like Oh, okay. Like it even it looks and feels like how the animated series was, and I just remember kind of going, like, "That's cool, that's cool." But then, like, it, the more it went on, I was just like, "This isn't working live action for me." Like, I could just yeah. go watch the anime again, <laughs> and like, I don't know. I just I think anime has a aesthetic to it, especially if we try to like Americanize it a little bit. I, I just don't think it works. And I just think this narrative of people trying to make a, I mean, for all I know in five years, they'll make a live action one and it'll be the fucking shit. But yeah. for now, like my stance on it is just like, nah, this is just something you got to leave alone. This is such, like I said, a landmark in animation. Um, people bow down to this fucking movie. Yeah. Uh, the, the final epic fight scene and what happens to the main character, um, Canada, no, or Tetsu, I always forget who's who. Uh, and like what he turns into is so batshit fucking crazy. It's it's just yeah. trippy. It's over. There's so many like genres in this movie too. It's sci-fi, uh, kind of teen angst at, at parts, yeah. you know, with like the biker gang being like these, they seem like they're in their twenties, but I feel like they're like 14, 15 years old. Um, it's just, there's just, there's just a noir quality to it. And then it, it turns into like a really fucked up gory. I don't want to say horror film, but there's like a yeah. lot of heavy gore in the climax in the movie. Uh, I got it. I don't think I watch it when it's on streaming. Cause I got the DVD behind me and I just kind of like having it as a physical copy. Um, what else did I want to talk about? And that's really it. I, like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to dive too far into a cure because I don't want to say anything that maybe I'm wrong about. Cause I think there's so much you can really get yeah. into with it, but I will say this. There's probably, I don't know how many movies on the end that I am aware of that. If it's on TV, I'm going to stop and watch it. If I, scroll past it on streaming i'm gonna hit play if i'm walking up to my rack of dvds and i just it catches my eye i'm gonna go yeah it's an akira kind of night um <laughs> i don't know it just it just it hits for me this the it's such a colorful uh anime there's so there's such a great color palette in the movie and i think that's an, it's a good movie to watch when you've been you know smoking a little weed I'm gonna cut that part out because this is for the kids. <laughs> I would trip fucking balls if I watched Akira <laughs> high as hell. Like I would probably I once I once watched a samurai film high as hell and like 
I had to pause and rewind the film because I couldn't follow because at one point my attention span was getting so shot. I yeah couldn't even remember like how if what I was watching was a violent scene or a regular scene. It was it was trippy. I'm going off tangent. No, um, you're not. You're fine. You're fine. Um, I'm wrapping up anyway. But I remember there was a time in my life where I was uh, a raging pothead and I would uh, get home every night and I think I would pop Akira on every night to go to sleep too and just go, ah. <laughs> how you, you how you did not go crazy doing that? I, I, well, I, I did. I, 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 was, I was blazed, man. I would be asleep by the nice. time um canada gets captured by the government so that's like 10 minutes in um but like like i said at the top of this somewhat analysis like if you want to introduce someone to anime and if they can have an open mind um they might not get it they might not understand akira out of the first viewing but i think they're going to be intrigued by it just because of the overall aesthetic of the movie just talking about it i think i'm going to watch it tonight um Great that's DVD Akira. cover that's, too. That's my second one. Um, yeah, and um, the next one, I think you and I both agreed. Yes, is both on our list, and yeah. we are going to talk about it jointly. Let's do it. And that is none other than a movie that pretty much it, it kind was, of kicked off Pixar. Pretty yeah, much the first animated. Pixar film, and I think the first computer-generated Disney film, if I'm oh, not yeah. mistaken. Full, full computer-generated Disney film. None not. other than a classic that has spawned three sequels after it. Yep. Toy Story. Yes. Sergeant? Yes, sir. Establish your recon post downstairs. Code Red, repeat. We are Code Red. Recon plan, Charlie. Execute. Move, 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 move. It's a... It's a big one. Disney Pictures presents Star Command, come in. Do you read me? The story of two toys. Oh, there seems to be no sign of intelligent life anywhere. Hello? Oh, yeah. ah! Headed for a showdown. My name is Woody. This is my spot. Ah! I am Buzz Lightyear. I come in peace. You are a child's plaything. You are a sad, strange little man. And playing by their own rules. Draw. Again. I don't like confrontations. Fuck looking alien. Where? <laughs> You're mocking me, aren't you? <laughs> oh, impressive wingspan. Very good. <laughs> oh, what? What? You can't fly. Yes, I can. Can't. Can. Can't. 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 The adventure takes off. And beyond Toy Story. Look out! Ken. Okay. What, what, what's your just first impressions on Toy Story? What do you love about it? Oh, man. What do I love about Toy Story? It's, again, another long-winded answer from yours truly. I love the characters. I love the adventure. I just love the idea of toys coming to life when people aren't around um yes that's what hooked me i think i didn't really know it at the time when i watched toy story like how good it was but like just coming from like 
the 90s as the as 90s children just growing up with great animated films this was just one of many but it was also just like a really just a wonderful film also really really dark sometimes and it almost brought up so many emotions to me when i was watching the film like i mean it was obviously like adventure and laughs and joy but there's also just like almost real sadness and like really like dives into the theme of friendship and loyalty and you know not being jealous of the other person and um i'm getting off track here i'm being i'm kind of going dark with this no because i wanted i actually wanted to branch off on that because i i fucking admire the what they did writing wise with the buzz and woody dynamic yeah um woody being like kind of the leader of the pack and buzz is the new kid on the block and buzz is this buzz is a fucking awesome toy like if you get down like that was the one thing i thought was so cool about toy story to target kids because i mean i don't know what kids are doing these days i mean maybe i should get on that but (laughs) (laughs) you got time you're you know but like i i don't know like most of them have like ipads now or just like playing games shit like we are still of a generation that played with toys and toys are still out there but maybe i'm just like kind of have this old man feeling of like it's not like how it used to be (laughs) back in my day but but like woody to me looked like a it's like he was a a toy that like you know he was an antique toy almost yeah he was like a a toy that like our parents played with yeah buzz was this new kid on the block and like if you get down to toys buzz is the better toy hands down buzz is buzz is kind of the type of toy that's kind of a reflection of what cool toys were in the 90s yeah like the ejecting wings and the laser pointer and like the and and the design of it and just the fact that it's space and space was just like a big thing like you know and i mean yeah, in general it, it, yeah it, it just was i just love their dynamic how there's this like standoffish combat between them of who's going to be the leader of the pack now and is woody kind of being yeah. threatened and like you know how's andy gonna view but, uh, yeah. who's who's andy's favorite toy basically that's because like the, yeah. the movie centers around like this woody who's a toy who's loved by his owner who's a nine-year-old boy named andy and then yeah basically like like you said this new toy is on the block and suddenly he becomes andy's new favorite toy and woody develops very very hard feelings of jealousy and because woody's very loyal to yeah like no matter what like that's his guy and that's what makes the ending of toy story 3 like (laughs) oh my god yeah yeah um, so i got a story behind that um my um my cousin julie shout out um she had a kid i think two years ago so she's two now uh kira's her name and my mom and i went to see her uh, a few weeks ago and while we were while this is happening i'm at we're actually like we're we're cleaning our house and getting rid of like old toys and stuff so my mom found some of my old uh, stuffed animals from from when i was a baby and I even kept those stuffed animals. I'm, this is embarrassing to share, but whatever. So mm. I had these like in my old house, I actually had these stuffed animals lying in my bedside from like when I was a baby to like, I think college, cause they're just there. I just, you know, they, they kept me yeah. company. It's, you know, so anyway, we're about to leave for our cousin's place. And my mom says, you know, we have all these old, you know, stuffed animals from when you were a baby. Are you still using them anymore? And I'm like, I'm looking through them. I'm like, I kind of want to keep them all. It's kind of, you know, nostalgia yeah. and all that. And my mom's like, Carrie, 
why don't we just give them away? Like they're not going anywhere. And, you know, and I thought about it, I'm like, it is my cousin. It's not like I'm just giving it to a stranger. So with a heavy heart, I brought all of my stuffed animals to Julie's house, sat Kira down. I gave her all of my stuffed animals. It was a very emotional moment for me right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's been emotional for me to talk about, but like I, I handed her like these two these two dinosaur stuffed animals that were really cool. And she just kind of looked at them and she started hugging them. And I was just like, but those are my stuffed animals. And I don't, I don't want to part with them. It's not so sad. Like and inside I was feeling that way, but on the outside, I'm like, Oh, I'm glad you like them. We <laughs> don't so, know the weight of like something that we have, like even if it's just a toy until we have to give it away. Like, yeah, I, last year I got a new car <laughs> and, um, <laughs> My old car, my Maz, my red Mazda six sedan. I'm sorry, it's off topic, but this just happens on the show. Fine. Um, and plus, yeah. we're actually a little ahead of schedule. <laughs> but, um, yeah, um, do it. But when I this car was like on death's door, I had to get a new car, and like this thing got me down the East Coast. This thing, I I I got more than my money out of this car, hmm. and it probably could have given out on me years ago, and it didn't. Probably should have because I didn't do a good job taking care of it the last few years. <laughs> and when I dropped that thing off at the dealer to exchange it in for probably only like a couple hundred bucks that went on the sale, I mean, like I didn't like cry, but like, yeah, it just kind of was this like, oh, this is it, like, yeah, damn, like thanks for the memories, like. Like that's kind of I've always noticed that with like things like cars, you don't know you're getting an emotional attachment to them. Do you have to like do, do you get a new car? I remember like I went to my mom. I went with my mom to like when she bought a new car one time, and we got out of her car, and I remember my mom kind of looking back at it and going, "Okay, bye." And it's just like, yeah, yeah we get attached to these things, and I don't think we realize it until something else takes place. Like I, I wasn't there to give my nieces and nephews because they got some of my old toys because I had a Toy Story toy collection. <laughs> I fucking wrote Ironic. Tyler on the bottom of those shoes, on the bottom of those feet of those toys because <sighs> I loved Toy Story. Awesome. Um, a little bit about it for me uh, kind of comes from the overall marketing behind it. I felt like this movie hmm. was such a marketing machine with the fact that like, Oh, I can buy the toys in Toy Story. That's genius, but it's also super easy, like in a boardroom. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're obviously going to make the actual toys. And, you know, this is what, 1995 it came out, I think. Yeah. I'm seven years old. I am like at the, maybe not peak, but like I am like really getting into boyhood. Like, yeah, I'm playing with toys. I'm watching cartoons. I, and because of Toy Story, I would leave my toys on the ground and I would leave the room, but I would come back and I would peek in that room. See if those, mm. those some bitches were coming back to life on me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they never did. But uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I loved Andy's room. It just, you know, yeah. Those are clouds on those wallpaper cloud things. Right. Yeah. Is it the old West or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they had, um, and then it got changed into like space when Buzz showed up, and like, oh yeah, that the, montage of like Randy Newman's song and like his whole room starts to change from Western theme to the, space, and the Woody blankets. can just feel the abandonment like just seeping in. There's so blankets, much, yeah. there's so much stuff that just like reminds me of my childhood for some reason in the original yeah. Toy Story. 
like all the way down to like the pizza place with the arcade and everything. Pizza like, Palace. Yeah. Oh my Chuck E. Cheese and Pizza Hut. It's like basically Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> basically, yeah. Like literally everything in that movie was just like I could I could immediately create a bridge that between that and my childhood because I yeah. was nine when the movie came out. And it's almost like this sounds a little corny, but not really. I feel like I grew up, Andy and I are almost the same age. Like our generation yeah. is the same age as Andy. So even when we got to three. And I mean, I was out of college by the time the movie came out and he was going into college, but I, I, I felt like I was growing up with Andy and I felt like I was saying goodbye yeah. to the toys and just all those. I, I, I think that's why Toy yeah. Story 3 hits. Cause like, I feel, I mean, Disney has the smartest people in the business, whether you love them or not, whether you love, whether you, whether you like Disney or not, they have yeah. some of the smartest people in the business from their PR teams to the guys in the writing room. And you know, when they're doing Toy Story 3, they go, look, we have a generation of people that grew up with these characters and what we're going to do in this movie, we have to do something for them and the new audience that we're bringing in. Yeah. And I thought, I know we're talking about the first one here, but like, that's why I think people also respond well to the third one. Um, but yeah, there's, there's so many things paralleled in the first one to my life. So well, the, the aliens in the vending machine with the claw, yeah. oh, which so good which like that claw i mean (laughs) they treat it like it's a god (laughs) they're just they're just these little cheap knockoff toys that you find in vending machine but like it's such a genius thing in the movie sid the the guy who's just like Uh, rips apart like everybody knew a kid in their neighborhood that was like probably gonna grow up to be a troublemaker that was like sid that just kind of did like those things like that and just a little punk yeah yeah and I don't know, like, yeah, like I, I did not watch rewatch Toy Story for this show. I, I saw the original one probably like a couple of years ago and did a rewatch, but I just know it needed to be on this list because yeah. of the impact it had on me as a child. I started pretending I was Andy, like I would fucking, I would take cardboard boxes and set up a little town in my. I don't know, it's fucking weird. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. I mean, no, it's not weird. I did the same no, thing with Legos. Weird. Like I would. I would recreate scenes for movies by building Lego sets and just yeah. like playing with it. Like our, cause you know, we, we, I mean, like I said, we were a lucky generation to have to grow up with toys and use our imaginations all the time before the age of phones and whatnot. You know, I mean, we, you know, yeah. I'm like, I had a, I had a, I remember I used to play a lot with mighty max toys though. Those are my thing. And like when space jam came out, there was a space jam action figure that like friend, action figure franchise that they had i think i I had some of those yeah yeah i have all of them and i don't know why i'm trying to sell them actually i just Um, remember uh micro micro machines pogs like yeah what else so much again yeah i i remember i think the movie toy story had like you know a deal with burger king because i remember burger king is where you got not like the high like if you wanted the high-end wood and buzz you had to go to the Disney store. And I think I remember yeah. for my birthday, I went to the Disney store and it was like, I got to get Woody or I got to get Buzz. And I think I got Buzz because Buzz was obviously the cooler toy. Yeah. <laughs> and then like for Christmas later that year, I was like, I got to get Woody. So I got, so yeah. I got the, the, the bigger, the, the bigger Woody. Uh, <laughs> I, got the, I got the actual. There's a snake in my boot. Yeah. The pull string one. Um, but like you, you'd go to Burger King and you get like the knockoff kind of ones, but they were still like good, but they weren't like the movie quality ones. Um, yeah. 
I, and I just remember like every time we got fast food, cause probably got more fast food than I, I maybe should have at that age, Same. but I had to go so I could get a toy story toy in my, uh, in my bag. Um, yeah. Are we leaving anything else out? <laughs> um, I want to say a few things too, but just, but also Disney really banked off of Happy Meals. I just want to say that. Cause just in retrospect, like every time a new Disney movie came out, yeah. McDonald's was just like Happy Meal toys go get them yeah <laughs> um the only thing else i want to add to toy story is that like i mean we can't forget randy newman's iconic <laughs> score and you got a friend of me which oh is, yeah like, dude obviously a huge staple of my childhood that is an earworm um, of a song it really is and it's a very catch it never gets it never the gets melody old. Of it, yeah. the melody the just a, it's a, it's just a nice feel-good song and i love um i mean just the just the just to go off on characterization for a minute, I love the I love the whole idea the, the the story of Buzz who thinks he's a a real space ranger and then slowly throughout the movie realizes that yes. he's a toy. And the moment when he's like watching, like when Woody and Buzz end up at Sid's house and they're trying to escape, and Buzz goes into the television, sees a commercial of him, like you know, and, just, and then and then there's peels a, there's the a, sticker off on his peels the sticker right. off, and then he see he sees the uh the caption underneath the uh, and the ad that says "not a flying toy," and he's just like that look of realization just hits yeah. him hard, and suddenly then he goes crazy, and and then Sid's sister puts him in a dress and makes him part of the tea party. He's like Mrs. Mrs. Nesba or something. Is that what was this? But yeah. like, and then the whole like the whole adventure story was cool. Just seeing Woody and Buzz work together to escape the clutches of Sid. And then the scene where Woody basically says to the other toys, like when they have to rescue Buzz, you know, we have to break the rules, but I think we'll be able to, you know, do a good thing. So yeah, then when, <laughs> you, you, know, you know, the scene I'm talking about, of course. Like, Sid watches, Sid looks at Woody and Woody basically comes to life and scares the bejesus out of Sid. Yeah. And they continue to do what I think is one of the best climaxes in an animated film, try to chase down the movie, because in the in the movie, Andy and his family are moving to a new house, and when they get separated, they have to like they have to go they have to go chase after Andy before they move away. And so they basically Woody Sid straps a rocket to Woody. When Woody and Buzz escape, they're able to get the toy. They're able to like get the toy car from the movie truck and then ride it to the truck, but not oh, before what was it the toy runs out of gas. So then Buzz lights the rocket. And then Woody says, "Wait a minute! I just lit a rocket. Rockets explode." Yeah. And, and then the and then they take off and then they go. They they first they launch toward the truck, but then they launch upward. And Woody's like, "Oh, this is the part where we blow up." And then Buzz says, "Not today." Presses a button, the wings come out, yep. and then they're flying in the sky. And Woody says gosh you're flying and Buzz says this isn't flying this is falling what style <laughs> <laughs> and they basically glide their way toward the truck and i'm just like this is the best climax to this is one of the best endings to a movie ever i love it so much like yeah because in the beginning woody is just like jealous of Buzz. he's like that's not buzz is doing some like trick where he's like trying to fly and mm. woody says it's not flying that's falling with style but then i love how they pay it off at the end i'm totally nerding out but i love toy no. story so much it, it there's just so much fun yeah there's just so there's just so many fun and then like the supporting cast out of that i mean obviously yeah. having tom hanks and tim allen voicing those parts 
was in Buddy. Was in Buddy. I can't talk either. <laughs> Buddy. That was Woody the first time I ever heard Tom Hanks, like my introduction to Tom Hanks. I knew really? Tim that was, oh, yeah. I think that was, my, that was my, that was my, sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. My first, I mean, like my first, that was my first ever Tom Hanks movie, but then I saw Castaway and that was the first time I saw like the person behind the voice. And I'm like, that's Woody. Okay, cool. That I knew of Tom Hanks, but like, that was my, like, I think he was doing a lot of drama by then. Like he was doing comedy in the eighties, but like, by this time he had done like Philadelphia and like, you know, and serious roles. So like, I didn't really see anything he was in. So like, yeah, I guess same. you could say that wasn't kind of my introduction to Tom Hanks too, even though I, I knew about him. Yeah. Um, but this was way before I, I decided to become a filmmaker. So like, and this, and, and keep in mind folks, like I was still wanting to be an animator. So when Toy Story came out, I was like, I got like twice as jazzed up to just, yeah. It was in yeah. in like you watch the sequels too, and you also can see how far Pixar has yeah. come. Because yeah, I still think the animation in Toys the first one holds up really well, but like compared to what we're seeing now, them put out, it's like it, yeah, incredible, incredible, incredible um, stuff. Don Rickles is Mr. Potato Head. Yes, always oh good. Oh my god! I but when he's just rearranging his face, he's like, "Look, I'm Picasso," and Ham's like, "I don't get it." <laughs> Way to go, Idaho! <laughs> Mrs. Potato Head, Mrs. Potato Head, and also Wallace Shawn as Rex is always always yep. fun. Yep. Um, <laughs> oh, now it, I feel guilt. And then in the sequels, they bring in uh, Joan Cusack uh, as, as Jesse. Yeah, and then um, who was it? Uh, Kelsey Grammer is the uh, villain, I think. In Stinky it, Pete. Yeah, in Toy Story Two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Toy Story 2 was so much fun. Like it's kind of a fun, irreverent. It's it like one one kind of has everything you want in the movie. Two is irreverent and fun, and three just kind of has a nice yeah closure to it. And four four is four is okay. I I don't I know why, why it exists, but I think as a as a as a as a movie, it's okay. As a Pixar movie, it sucks. I know what you, I know what you mean because I put it on for my daughter because I give her like 30 minutes just chill and watch TV and I put her in her little swing thing and I was just like I'm flipping through Disney plus I'm like I still haven't seen Toy Story 4 and I was like I, have, I had no desire to see it for some reason because I was like what, the f- what else are they gonna do like that's a solid yeah. trilogy right there so I started it and I just kind of remember thinking like okay like this is good but it's a fourth one that I don't know. Like the there's never really a good fourth installment into anything. Hardly ever. And there there probably is a few. Yeah. And it, you're like, you're right. Like it's it it's wasn't bad. But I'm just sitting there going like, oh, it's like they forgot about the generation that grew up with it. That kind of ended in in three. And it's like they're trying to usher yeah. in like a new audience. And I was like, oh, this isn't for me. Pretty I don't much. think this is for me. Three just had a great. It was just such. It was a such a beautifully, beautifully well written ending, and there was closure and it had everything you wanted. But and four was just like, where can we go from there? I I don't understand why you're still going with this. And I think they're making yeah. a five. I think. No. Shit. If five could clean up four's mess, then you know, but, more power to Pixar. But uh, I don't know. Last thing I want to say. Yeah. Did you see Lightyear? I did not. Um, I was talked out of it, and I still haven't seen it. Okay, um, I did, and okay. um, I enjoyed it. I think okay. it. Um, to give my review here on the air, 
Uh, there is a bit of a lag I felt in the middle, but it's kind of cool how like in the opening credits, um, this isn't giving anything away, I promise. But like, yeah, it just says like, you know, in 1995, a little boy named Andy yeah. bought a doll that was based <laughs> off of a movie he saw, and it's and this is that movie. <laughs> and like, I'm sitting there with my wife, and I'm like, yes. <laughs> They're talking about me. Like I was Andy. Like <laughs> and that's the thing about Andy too. You yeah. Don't even really know too much about Andy. Like, you know, yeah. enough about him. I feel, but like, there's kind of this connection. Like he was every boy. Yeah. Grew up around then. So. You just um, have that childlike enthusiasm that I just shared with Andy. Cause I was the same. I was that kid. Yeah. Like you said, I was that same kid. I, I just knew, I knew who Andy was. Yeah. And um, you don't really even see Andy a lot. <laughs> um, okay. By the way, I liked how in I liked. Sorry, one more thing. I liked how in this in the sequel, Rex was playing a Buzz Lightyear video game. Yeah. And then like, and then at the end, when like when <laughs> at the end, you it re- the reveal is that it's on a Nintendo system, <laughs> but the visual effects are clearly like high level PlayStation Two quality. Yeah. This is two thousand, folks. I'm just I'm I'm making references, but no, that's fine. <laughs> so funny all right yeah good, good talk good talk good on talk. toy story i i just like how i just said i want to go watch akira now i i think i might i think i just might watch toy story this in the next tonight or the next few days yeah i might um, just binge some anime i'm not sure what but i'm kind of in that mood all right well uh you have the floor again okay <laughs> so my next film is a masterpiece of cinema um in my opinion it's an iconic it's an iconic film of two franchises coming together to create probably one of the most whimsical and crazy crossover movies i've ever seen i'm talking of course about space jam 2 I haven't seen it but <laughs> i've seen a, i've seen a bit of it i'm talking about roger rabbit folks who oh, framed I'm... roger rabbit mommy's going to the beauty parlor darling but i'm leaving you with your favorite friend roger he's going to take very very good care of you because if he doesn't he's going back to the science lab Take it in 
already. I can take it. Don't worry about me. I'm not worried about you. I'm worried about the refrigerator. This is the take of an up-and-coming movie star named Roger Rabbit and a down-and-out private detective. Stay out. thought you changed it on me and you went with space jam and i was like okay i can tell i can talk space jam i i just wanted to mess with y'all i'm sorry no, <laughs> it's all sorry. good it's all good i i feel like i feel like the podcasters that were listening to the previous one who are fans of righteous kill are probably like god damn it carrie like what do you have to fucking do this to me again <laughs> and then i played the trailer <laughs> <laughs> it's literally the same guy that loves righteous kill loves space jam too and he's you just walk like, damn outside it. when you walk outside watch your back watch your back all right, who framed Roger Rabbit? <laughs> with, the, with that. With all that. With oh, God. Weird okay. connection. <laughs> Let's just do De Niro impressions for the rest of the <laughs> pod. Everybody respects the gun. Anyway. Um, who framed Roger Rabbit? Uh, 1988, directed by Robert Zemeckis. Executive produced oh, by I Steven Spielberg. That. Yeah. Oh. Um, contains... Looney Tunes characters and Walt Disney characters, probably the first and only time in cinema. And it is a film noir about a character named who, uh, Roger Rabbit, who is framed for murder. And a detective by the name of Eddie Valiant is basically trying to solve the case and prove Roger Rabbit's innocence. I love this film so much. Hmm. I want to marry it. <laughs> Not marry it, but... Um, no, I love, I love the, I love the film so much because it's just, it's one of those films that just hits all of those notes of childhood nostalgia. Cause I'm a guy who grew up with Looney Tunes yeah. and Disney. I didn't, I actually, my parents couldn't afford the, the Disney channel. So it was mainly Disney movies, but. But Cartoon see, Network when we were young. Car- Cartoon Network when I was young and I used to have, there used to be, um, they used to run uh 1940s looney tunes on uh, tnt turner classic television so yes i would watch them every day and i could almost memorize and recite the episodes verbatim um and i guess and one of the that's kind of one of the charms of the film is that it actually takes place in the 1940 in 1947 uh i guess in one of the heydays of hollywood so it's a world where cartoon yeah. characters are making a living working in hollywood as actors or i mean basically in this world cartoons aren't drawn they're they're filmed 
<laughs> which you can see in the first 10 minutes of the it's, movie. It's a cool concept. Yeah. I it's like a cool it. concept. Yeah. Because in the first, in the, sorry, the first five minutes of the film, it's a Roger Rabbit cartoon where you actually get to see what type of cartoon Roger Rabbit is. And then they go right into, they reveal that, you know, they're on a film set and the director is just mad because like Roger Rabbit has a fridge dropped on his head and he, and then like, you know, he gets birds swinging over his head and the director's like, cut, I wanted to see stars, Roger Rabbit. What's with the birds? He's like, like I'll give part, you stars. Yeah. Give me another chance. I'll give you stars, please. <laughs> um, I'm loopy today. Um, so, and, um, so basically it's a world where cartoons work in Hollywood. They're, they're walking all over the studios. Um, and in a nutshell, it's just, it's, it's great because it's a film noir, but it's also a cartoon and it's, and there's just like a fun, I mean, I mean, it goes without saying the animation in the film is amazing because it's all hand-drawn. Not only is it hand-drawn, but um, Robert Zemeckis being the filmmaker that he is actually moves the camera a lot. So you're actually seeing, it's, you're basically seeing hand-drawn, hand, hand-drawn animation within a moving camera shot, which is just like unbelievable for its time. Yeah. And um, from some of the research that I did, I watched some of the behind the scenes uh, videos, they actually did optical effects. So they, they layered in shadows and highlights and just to make the characters look like they're actually part of the world. So like, and it's a film noir, right? So you're working with atmospheric lighting, but there's tons of that all over the film. Like every time you see a tune, you see the tune literally interacting with um, the great Bob Hoskins uh, in, in that movie. Uh, yeah. Bob Hoskins is an incredible actor. Yeah. I love him so much. Um, plays a great pirate too. Uh, but he, hook, he basically, yeah. yeah, he plays the um, RIP, the, um, the private investigator who's on the case. Um, he's really funny. He's, he's one of those, I feel like he's one of those actors who's good at playing like a tough guy, but also could be very silly. Mm-hmm. Um, and Christopher Lloyd plays the, uh, the villain of the film. He used um, to creep me out when I was a kid. Yeah. In movie. Oh, in that film. Yeah. <laughs> Not, not in general. Well, I mean, like, yeah, maybe he's been in a couple wild parts. Definitely has, but yeah. in this movie, I, I, I don't. I think that's why I didn't watch it till later in life, because I, I caught it a few times and something. The it's like a black robe and he's got like a hat too, right? And he has these like he has a weird, creepy, fake smile where his yeah, teeth are white. Like, he, and he, him and Jack Nicholson's Joker when I was a kid just couldn't do it. They're so good. Yeah. 80s, 80s was a good uh, a good decade for creepy villains. Yeah. Um Christopher Lloyd going off of like Back to the Future was just I, I guess you could say in his heyday because he and Zemeckis worked on a few things. Oh yeah, he's yeah. Very, he's very funny and um Um I don't know what else to say about this. I mean, there's a lot of I mean, just just first and foremost, like there's there's a few really great scenes in the movie. Like I think there's a scene where Bob Hoskins is uh he goes to a nightclub to meet Roger Rabbit's wife, who's Jessica Rabbit, who's not a rabbit, but a woman and like a very, how do I say this, curvy bosomist woman who's <laughs> <is> also <laughs> yeah. a cartoon character um, and actually has some really good animation there, too, because um, when when she enters the 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 movie, she's wearing this sparkly dress. And I'm just like, this is all hand drawn, but like her yeah. dress is sparkling and she's like interacting with all the guys and like and you see penguin waiters in the background serving drinks and an octopus work in the bar and i'm just and this is a whole just a really cool universe of just cartoons you know working their night jobs you know they gotta yeah. gotta make a living you know um 
the car chase was really good. The I forgot the car's name, but um, the uh, the the car chase in the movie when the we <laughs> the weasels are chasing after um Valiant and Roger Rabbit. The weasels are are also a really nice. We're also a really nice. There's these like gangster weasels who are like <laughs> Christopher Reeves' uh, henchmen who are trying to trying to eviscerate Roger Rabbit. Yeah. Talk in a voice like this. <laughs> you gotta stop laughing. You know what happens when you laugh? You die laughing. <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> that was a really good impression. Thanks, man. <laughs> I enjoy I enjoy doing voice acting. I haven't done any voice acting, but I love doing impressions so much. Yeah. He's um, but the weasel the weasels are really funny, and um, the little the uh, the baby who's um who's in the in the Roger Rabbit cartoon, but then <laughs> then you find out that the baby is actually like a chain smoker and like a very he has like a gravelly voice like this. You know, he's like, damn it, Roger, how many times do we have to do this scene? We have to do 23 takes because like, you know, you know, the, you know, Roger's trying to like try to have stars float around him, but all he gets is birds and like yeah. weird shapes. <laughs> he's, he's hitting himself with a frying pan. So the baby is just, uh, uh, I'm like going off on so many tangents right now. The baby's funny. He has, he smokes a cigarette. <laughs> um, and um, what else did I write in here? It was just like a lot of. Also, just like I actually really appreciated that. Um, I mean, growing up is um, growing up watching a lot of Looney Tunes. There was a certain style of animation I noticed where I think the animation was a little bit more uh, rubbery. Um, yeah, so I know what you so mean. I'm kind of, so I'm kind of making. I'll, I'll, I'm kind of making. I'm kind of doing a reference point, but um, the animator who who did those cartoons his name is robert clampin he did a very kind of elastic very animated very detail oriented uh style for the looney tunes uh ren and stimpy is kind of one of those cartoons that was influenced by that robert clampett 1940 style and you see that a lot in who framed roger rabbit like it's it's, it's very kind of like I, I think zemeckis said in an interview that they took um robert clampett's animation style or style of like character movements uh the quality of disney animated films which is is obviously you know very very apparent and then um tex avery's another uh tex avery's an animator from the 40s as well and they took his style of uh visual gags and whatnot and they basically weaved it all together to show like sort of how the cartoon characters interacted with you know the whole universe um that's just like I'm. I, I'm. I'm kind of a Looney Tunes historian. I don't know why. I just I watch a lot of them. Mm-hmm. I've seen the. I have the. I have all the. I have all the Golden Age episodes on DVD, so I've watched them so much. Um, but it was just a really cool. Um, just a really cool film that kind of harkens back to like all the nostalgia of like what I loved about um, Disney and uh, Looney Tunes. I love that scene when um Bugs Bunny and Mickey Mouse are skydiving, <laughs> and Bob Hoskins yeah. is like he he's in Toontown and he's, he's falling off of a building and they're just like looking at him and Bugs is like, kind of, kind of dangerous, not wearing a parachute, huh? And Mickey's like, yeah, you could get killed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There's like a whole, there's a whole sequence in the movie. I'm going, I'm going all over the place, but there's a sequence where um, Valiant has to go into, so there's a town called Toontown, which exists like, you know, next to the real world so he goes into toontown and like pretty much the whole world is a cartoon so he's driving through this tunnel and like he comes outside and <laughs> the first thing he sees are singing trees and singing birds which is kind of a 
I guess you could say an artifact of uh, what 1930s cartoons were. Yeah, definitely. Um, which is a really nice homage, but also in a weird way, a little bit unsettling and creepy. <laughs> yeah. Because everybody's like, hi, Eddie. Like the little, there's little birds flying saying like, hi, Eddie. Hi, Eddie. <laughs> and Eddie's just like, where the fuck am I? This is, uh. <laughs> and then he goes into town and he's trying to chase after the bad guy who, you know, who's causing all this ruckus and uh it's 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 a cool little it's a cool little 10 minutes of him just uh you know bumping into the looney tunes and disney characters and he, he sees droopy in the elevator which is a great scene <laughs> yeah um going up sir <laughs> <laughs> and then there's like he goes in the elevator and then droopy pulls on a lever and and then like Bob Hoskins becomes flat and then Drew pulls another lever, the elevator stops and Hoskins just like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he ricochets off the floor into the ceiling and he gets stuck there and, and it's just like, there's a part of me that was like, oh my God, if I were an actor, I want to be in that type of film. Yeah. I want to interact with like those characters. Make, yeah. Oh, it's amazing. Well, um, I don't have a, I don't have a clever conclusion or structure behind this uh, <laughs> geek off of Who Framed Roger Rabbit, but I just love. Well, I'm happy you went with that and not Space Jam too. So, I, I'll be honest with you, dude. So I haven't finished Space Jam, but there's a 10 minute sequence where I think LeBron is trying to recruit all of the Looney Tunes, and he goes through all these Warner Brothers franchises just to get to each of them, and like he sees. Yeah, so there's like, so Lola Bunny is in the Wonder Woman universe, like, just like, in it, Lola Bunny's in a Wonder Woman movie, Yosemite Sam is in Casablanca, <laughs> the Tasmanian Devil is in a Rick and Morty episode of like, holy shit! Cool. And I'm like, why isn't this like, why isn't there just 90 minutes of this? That's, that's <laughs> what I want to see in Space, Jam, in Space Jam 2. That was like the only time in the movie where I haven't finished it yet, but it was the only time in the movie where I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> this was like I didn't think they could like they could up the ante on the crossover, but I was uh, I was impressed. It's impressive. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. Who framed Roger Rabbit? Yes. <laughs> uh, you look like you need a cigarette. Um, I do. After, <laughs> after talking about all that. After that nerd off, yeah. Uh, um. Well, so my next pick is. Uh, it's it's another anime, and again, I I I just like I. I feel like I don't fit the stereotype of an anime fan, but I don't really know what a stereotype an anime. Well, I mean, there, there is kind matter. of a, there is kind of a clip, but it doesn't it doesn't really matter. You love anime, you're a nerd. No, like I, I, I well, I, I I like anime, but I, I you know, there's there's also stuff in that genre. I'm like, yeah, that's not for me. Yeah, but this that. one without a doubt is Miyazaki's masterpiece. And uh, I saw this uh, probably a couple of years after I think it's initial release because I have the initial release at 1997. I don't think I saw it until like the early 2000s. Uh, this is some people's favorite of his films. It's always up for debate, but it is definitely mm-hmm. a lot of people's. Uh, it's up there. Uh, Princess Mononoke. Yes. civilization of man and the gods of the forest when the forest has been cleared and the wolves wiped out this place will be the richest land in the world now the fate of the world rests on the courage of one fearless princess i'm not afraid to die and i would do anything to get the humans out of here 
and one brave warrior. Fight like a demon, boy. Like something possessed. What exactly are you here for? To see with eyes unclouded by hate. Now watch closely, everyone. I'm going to show you how to kill a god. So again, another movie that is on this list that I didn't initially rewatch to talk, but I just, it's always, it's, it's just like Akira to me. I mean, just like probably any other movie we've talked about tonight on my list or on yours, like you just kind of stop and you have to watch it and admire it. Uh, I I I watched the film uh, just today, just in preparation for this conversation. So I just wanted to say that. So you said you liked it. I, I did like it. I, I don't know if I connected with it. It's, I think it's I think as far as movies go, it's as good as it gets. I didn't connect it on a personal level as much as I mean, I don't even know if that's true. I'm still I'm still digesting it, but I did love the movie. I, I did enjoy the movie a lot. So fair. It, it's a 10 out of 10. I don't know how much I could I don't know how much I connected with it, but it is growing on me. So continue. No, it, it's not that that's completely fine, man. Um I think the animation is just like just feels like a beautiful painting scene by scene by scene yeah um i just i love i mean obviously uh, you know with the team behind movies like this and spirited away and whatever else i can my neighbor totoro and all this stuff like Pocoroso. yeah like countryside japan no matter that i just it looks so beautiful it looks so peaceful it's yeah, so quiet. Yeah. I want to move there. I want to just like, <laughs> I just want to like be a writer and just have like a farm somewhere in rural Japan, somewhere, anywhere. I would love to have a house that was decorated like a Japanese house and just have like a Zen garden in the back. Like that's my dream. I, I want the dad's house in my neighbor Totoro. <laughs> uh, I, I don't love you. that house. I want uh, the cat bus, but that's yeah. Just- yeah. <laughs> Uh, I want to ride my cat to work. (laughs) Princess Mononoke is um, first. I I, the first time I saw it, and I I did an episode where I talked about it a couple months ago. Um, But I just fucking. It was one of those movies that I don't know if you remember this because not a lot of people have cable anymore. But in the days of cable, or like when you had movie channels and whatnot, I was just flipping through. I was homesick one day. I remember, and. I landed on the stars channel and I just like missed maybe the first 10 minutes of this. Hmm. And it was kind of around the time I was just starting to get aware of anime. Um, Cartoon network had Toonami on. Yeah. Rush home from school. I'd watch your dragon ball Z's your Gundam wings, you know, you know, all the stuff with like giant robots and, you know, really jacked shirtless guys fighting each other and Goku fucking up Vegeta. (laughs) Yeah. And Majin Buu. <laughs> so like 
I thought that's literally what all anime was. Um, and that stuff's really cool. I, I like that side of anime. Uh, but I landed on Princess Mononoke, didn't know anything about it, and blind watched the whole thing at like 10 years old. And just, it, I didn't really know, and maybe I kind of had the same reaction you did. I, I knew it definitely was a good movie. Yeah. And I just, you know, I wasn't just like, oh my God best movie of all time (laughs) (laughs) but but like a couple years later i'm in walmart and this this ages me a little bit but there's vhs's for sale and uh (laughs) i saw princess mononoke on vhs and i was like i want it mom can i buy it yep so i bought it on tape and i held on to that shit for a while and i I rewatched it a lot and again like i don't know what it was i just kept going back to it i'd catch it on tv every now and then on a movie yeah. channel and i just like i'm it's almost like i get in a trance when i watch it so the movie is pretty much about um main character by the name of ashitaka kills this like demon creature in a forest there's the movie is like i feel like trying to make a commentary on human beings and how we harm the land that we live on yeah. And it and when one of the more recent times I watched it, I was moved even probably the most I've been in pre- since previous times I've watched it and just kind of really how destructive human beings are. Where even people that I think are trying to stay on the right side of protecting the land and the environment still have flaws and are still capable of being destructive still. Um so Ashitaka gets like part of the demon like attaches onto his arm and it's basically going to kill him. And he ventures out to like into the, into the, into the woods and stuff to maybe find a potential cure from the, the forest God, I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah. First few times I'm watching that doesn't really strike a chord with me. I'm just like, this is really amazing animation. It's just it for an, like an action adventure movie uh, by Miyazaki. Um, it's still a very calm, like kind of quiet tone to it. Uh, but a lot of the action sequence are amazing. It has a great uh, climax at the very end of the film with, yeah. a big, with a big battle with a forest creature comes to life. Um, that animation at the beginning when the, the boar is being yeah. like engulfed by a demon, like the demon has like wormy bristles or something. I'm like, man, that animation is yeah how it's movable so like the detail behind that is incredible yeah yeah um it it hooked me when i first saw that like yeah yeah it's uh it it, yeah i don't know what i'm trying to say but it it has just an overall beautiful color palette to it of greens and blues um there's a lot of scenes in it that just feel very dreamlike um yeah it's so beautiful like just how i'm talking about the movie right now like um you can't go like you can't talk about it like how you just talked about (laughs) who framed roger rabbit it just it it just has a very smooth tone to it that i think is so calming and yet it's a movie about how we're so destructive to the world and um the i've never seen it in japanese Pretty much, I think it's most famously known for its English dub, uh, probably because they got like A-list actors to do it when they. Oh yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it's um, uh, what's his name? Billy Crudup. Billy Crudup from yeah. uh, Almost Famous. Yeah, he's um, he's the voice of Ashitaka. Claire Danes is in there. Billy Bob um, Thornton. Billy Bob Thornton's in there. Um, Minnie Driver is kind of he's the villain great. in it. Uh, Jillian Anderson, I think, is one of the wolves. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> Keith David, the great Keith, Keith David. David is in Keith there. Motherfucking David. Yeah. Um, the, um, he's the and, which he's the spirit of the is he the boar? Yeah, I yeah, I think he's, yeah. he's one of the animal spirits. Uh he has Jada, such a great voice. Oh my god, yeah, dude. Jada Pinkett Smith is in there playing a villager who's got kind of a standout role. Um, I forget oh, her character yeah. name, but I, I just like I just always go back to when I just stumbled upon this and it opened up my eyes to like other anime and it's like yeah. oh it doesn't have to always be giant fighting robots in space which is fucking awesome by the way yeah <laughs> but it can be this movie with this really big impactful social message which really kind of struck a chord with me last time I watched it probably because I watched it like I think I think I watched it one time during the pandemic um you know and obviously like something like that would really hit a chord with what was going on in the world at that time um that's really about the movie what's up Uh, i just wanted to add to what you just said so um when i when i started the movie i hadn't seen this in 10 years actually when i first saw it i actually didn't remember any of it Mm -hmm. and i don't know if that was the movie itself or, or whatnot but i understood that it was a good movie so when I watched it again, not only was I able to pick up more, um, I didn't know, I, I did kind of notice that the movie really just drops you into this world without really explaining what it is, except through yeah. exposition and whatnot. So it's just like, and it almost feels like there's a show that preceded the movie or was it or came before the movie. Um, and <laughs> it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like you're there and then suddenly you have to like, it's almost like you're watering into the movie like 10 minutes in and trying to, and trying to figure out what's I see what you're saying, on. yeah. <laughs> but then, but you know, since it's Miyazaki, of course, he's able to give you like a clear storyline and, and bring you up to speed mm-hmm. about what's happening. What hooked me into the movie, which I think is now probably holding a place in one of my favorite animated films is the scene when... Um, you see the tree spirit for the first time at night when it's glowing. Yeah. And it's like walking through the forest. And then you see all the little tree spirits looking at him and shaking their heads and you see like a whole crowd of them just like worshiping the, the giant, uh, the giant spirit. I'm like, Oh my God, this is incredible. Like that visual image alone made me love that film. Like, I think it's halfway through the film, but I, yeah. after that, like my perception of the movie changed. And from then on, I was just like, this is incredible. And then the scene where you see the tree spirit walking on the ground and it's actually like every, for every step it took, like the, the, what was it? Like a garden would grow out of the footprint yep. or something. I was like, this is, this is awesome. This is incredible. Yeah. It, it's a, it's a beautiful film. Um, I, there's nothing more you can say about it. it it's such a beautiful film. It, there's, the world building in that movie because like yeah like you said you don't you're just thrown in and and i think maybe that's why it takes people a little while like they get that it's a good movie but like they're trying to really figure out what what message is trying to come through in the film um i don't want to say it grows on you but i feel like you just like learn something more with each time um but there's 
just a lot like more adult themes that I didn't pick up on every time I've watched it. Uh, no, no, it just really hits deeper. The older you get, I know it's a generic thing to say with films like, Oh, it means more the older you get. I mean, the next film I'm probably going to talk about seeing it as an adult is holy shit. But um, <laughs> right. Yeah. I, <laughs> when I a lot of stuff it. went completely over my head when I was a kid in the next film. But yeah. Princess Mononoke, um, HBO Max, I think, has the whole Miyazaki collection still. Uh, so it's on there if you want to just check it out. Um, yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> okay, cool. With all that being said, uh, let's have a little fun. Let's do a little speed round. Uh, give me some honorable mentions. Let me compile my list together. So. Oh, shit. As we usually do, I think with our previous pods, we usually we have three honorable mentions. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna spit fire a few before I get to my three. Yeah, no um, problem. Me too. So obviously, like there's a lot of Pixar films to cover, and we can't talk about talk about all of them. So, um, of course, Monsters Inc. is on my list. Finding Nemo's on my list. Wally, A Bug's Life, um, and then Miyazaki. You have my neighbor Totoro, of course. Spirited Away. Hercules is on the list. Tarzan, uh, Tim Burton's A Corpse Bride. I love the stop motion. Fantasia is fantastic. Uh, Inside Out made me cry. Oh um, my god! <laughs> oh, it's so good. Turning Red was kind of a cool film too, just because like it actually takes place in 2002, and like the characters are the same age as us. And I'm like, oh wow, this is it's just it's just cool to see something like that. Yeah. Um, Space Jam's on my list, of course. Uh, Ants, great, great little smart bug comedy. Um, Titan AE, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid, oh. Prince of Egypt, Mitchell's versus the Machines, um, Tale of Princess Kaguya as a Ghibli film has fantastic animation. Yeah. Um, and Kiki's Delivery Service. I don't, I haven't seen that film in a while. I don't. Even, I think I just put that on my list by default. <laughs> <laughs> but it's there, so whatever. All right, three honorable three three honorable mentions. Here we go. Um, so the first film is. Uh, an anime that I actually just watched recently that I really enjoyed. It's called Perfect Blue. Um, oh, I haven't seen it, but I'm about to like watch oh. it because it's on Shutter. God damn it, Tyler. Okay. <laughs> I know well, it's, okay. it's a very favorable one. I feel bad that I've never seen it, but oh but. man, I'd nerd the fuck out about this film if you saw it. So, all right. Um, the film is about this pop star who decides to become an actress and she is followed by this creepy stalker. Um, and the film plays with, it's harder to explain really because it's, it's one of the reasons I like the film so much is that um, it plays a lot with the chronology of events that takes place. Um, so you don't you never really know like which event is happening when, but there's a clear through line that I, I saw. I mean, Satoshi Khan is the director. I mean, he's, he's, I haven't seen a lot of his stuff, but from what I saw from this film, he's a legendary animator and he makes great stories. So I just kind of assumed it was a good film with a good, uh, you know, with, uh, with a clear storyline. But basically the film jumps, it, 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 it jumps all over the place in terms of chronology of events. I, don't, I'm, I'm, I apologize for being vague. I don't want to give anything away, especially to Tyler because he hasn't seen it. Mm. But it is a great film. Uh, visually, it's a fantastic film. There's a lot of beautiful animation. It kind of veers between um, thriller and a little bit of horror, but there's also sort of a nice... Um, the style is really uh, sleek. It has a very cool um, 
I don't know what the word is, je ne sais quoi. Um, as a filmmaker, I think you'd like the film, Tyler, because um, it does delve into what's it like to work on set because it basically follows her life as a pop star trying to become an actress and trying to become taken seriously as an actress. So like she, you know, she books a role in a soap opera and then she books a bigger role and then she, some, and then her agent at one point asks for her to have more lines and then she becomes, she slowly becomes a little bit more well-known and famous. And in the meantime, her creepy stalker is like trying to, um, basically she has like a website on a computer and the stalker is just writing, is writing her diary and wow. the celebrity is trying to figure out like, where the fuck is this guy? Who is this guy that keeps, you know, typing all these creepy things? It's, um, yeah, it's a great movie. It's just wow, a great. I'm so hooked. Maybe you should watch that tonight. It's it's <laughs> honestly, it's a great film. It is very confusing on first viewing, but I'm sure kind of like maybe Inception, like once you see it again, it'll, you can put the pieces together of like what fits where yeah. in terms of like chronology. So um, that was my first choice. Great film. My second choice is another anime that I watched just recently called uh, A Silent Voice. Okay. Never that? heard of it. No. Oh, okay. Um, Silent <laughs> Voice, you can find it on Netflix. It is about a kid who used to be a bully who grows up and tries to make things right. So basically in the film, um, there's a, a girl who joins a new school and she's deaf. And this boy takes it upon himself to just bully her constantly. And then like, you know, has some of his friends join in. And it grows to a point where this is in the synopsis where the girl basically leaves the school because the bullying is too much for her. Um, the kid grows up, he goes through some like changes and stuff happens to him, but then realizes the error of his way. So then he becomes, he's in high school and he's this super awkward, very antisocial human being. Who's kind of a shell of his former self who realizes what he did was wrong to the girls who he, takes it upon himself to reach out to her and to apologize and become friends with her and start anew. And it's a very good film. It's almost like, um, almost feels like an independent film actually, which is one thing I like about anime is that sometimes I've noticed in some anime, they didn't go in the direction of style or flair. Like, I mean, you know, robots in space are awesome. Don't get me wrong. But then like, there's other people who will take anime in a very, um, mellow and um how do i say this non-showy direction so this so so this is kind of more of a uh, a character piece um about a guy who makes friends with a girl and he's trying to come to terms with the fact that what he did was wrong and he's trying to sort of find his way to becoming a better person um and there's actually a really cool um sequence where he's uh in high so he's in high school now he has no friends and there's this cool little visual um, motif where every person that he looks at has an X on their face because he's not friends with them. He doesn't want to talk to them. He can't, he can't make eye contact. So they're all just like X's, which is kind of a cool thing. I just, just th that I noticed. Um, there's also some really cool just visual sequences where there's a lot of shots of legs and feet because I think it reflects sort of the fact that he can't make eye contact. So he's always mm -hmm. looking down. This is one little thing I noticed. Um, and one thing I liked about just anime in general is that um, I think this is something that Roger Ebert mentioned in an interview, um, not interview, in a review of, um, do you know Yasujiro Ozu, the Japanese director? Yeah, yeah, of course. He did a, he directed, he's a brilliant filmmaker. He did a film called uh, Floating Weeds, 
I, th- I think Roger Ebert reviewed one of his films and he mentioned that he has a certain type of shot called a pillow shot, which is sort of like a shot that, you know, you'd cut to, to bring you in from one scene to another. Um, I, I wouldn't call it. I mean, I mean, you could synonymize that with a B-roll shot. Like for those of you, for those of you not filmmakers out there, B-roll is just like, if you were to like shoot, if you're watching a movie and there's one scene that ends, another one begins, you're, you know, you might cut to a shot of like a scene of a tree or a scene of a house or a scene of like flowers or something just to bring you into another scene. That's basically what a pillow shot is. Um, in Japanese cinema and anime, I've noticed that they do that a little bit more with a little bit more intent. Like there's more of a, a strong definitive uh, purpose behind the shots. They do that. Yeah, a lot. I know in, what you um, mean. Yeah. Yeah, and they do that a lot in My Neighbor Totoro, and um, I think yeah. a little bit in Spirit Away. They do it a lot in um, A Silent Voice, but um, I absolutely just loved the aesthetic. I loved the animation; it was just beautiful. Like, it's also a cool story about um, about friendship because at one point the kid is trying to make new friends, um, and it's just really cool. Like, it's like when you're kind of making friends in real life, and you're kind of inviting. Like if you were to go to, let's say, a a carnival, a fair or something, and you're inviting friends from different walks of life to come in a group and, you know, it's like either two things will happen. Either they'll get along or they won't. And, you know, if they get along, you're kind of, and, you know, I I fear, I fear the latter, but usually when it's the former, it's like, and these kids are getting along and they're becoming like really good friends. And it's just like, wow, these, these people are really connecting, like, and they're just from different walks of life, you know? Um, that's just something I noticed that was really cool about the film too. Um, all in all, it's a great film. It's on Netflix. Um, and if you, um, want to check it out, I highly recommend it cause it's a great, uh, it's a great film. All right. Um, and my third film, I actually just watched this one recently. Um, it came out in 2003. Um, it is a Disney film called brother bear. Okay. I don't know if I know this one. <laughs> you haven't heard of it. Oh, no. So, well, I, that's understandable. So I've been hearing things. So Brother Bear is basically yeah. a film about a guy who gets turned into a bear um, by um, Inuit magic, and he has to. Um, Maybe I have. I don't know. I can't picture it right now. But okay, go ahead. Keep going. Sorry. Think so in the it. film, I, I'll, I'll try not to spoil. It. I'm going off topic here, but the synopsis is, is that the, the movie takes place um, during. I don't. I don't know if it's the Ice Age, but it takes place around an Inuit tribe, which is really cool. Um, one of the guys, um, gets turned into a bear because he does something bad and he basically becomes a bear and has to learn how to love again before he gets turned back into a human. Um, and the bear, the, the main character is voiced by none other than, uh, Joaquin Phoenix, um, which is really cool just to see him doing a kid's movie. Um, (laughs) so he's, um, he gets turned into a bear he uh, meets another bear and they basically go on an adventure to this destination where he can, he has to prove himself to be changed back into a human. Um, it's a beautiful film. The animation is incredible. I personally love it because I'm not familiar. And I, I feel bad saying this because I don't know which Inuit tribe they're depicting in this film, but um, there's a little bit of a, um, they go a little bit into um, Inuit culture and they kind of, they, they, they bring you into like sort of like the world of it and you meet the people and you kind of see a little bit of a glimpse of like what their lifestyle is like back in those I've, i don't know what era it takes place in it's obviously not modern times but um it's just a really cool film that uh has great as amazing animation like i mean we're taught we we talk about how animation during you know for every year that passes gets better and better but it peaked like crazy when I watched that because they they 
there's all these beautiful Alaskan Canadian wilderness landscapes and they're playing a lot with like sunsets and sunrises and the way light hits a, a forest and the way like shards of light will hit will hit a face and um it's just a really beautiful film and I, and again I don't want to give anything away um but there is um the story of the film is actually different from a lot of other Disney films because a lot like Princess Mononoke it's basically about it covers themes of how humans must learn to live with nature or in this case with other animals. So there's no real antagonist in this film, except for the antagonist within yourself. (laughs) I don't know. Interesting. (laughs) It's a very existential uh, film that goes against what not goes against, but it's just different from any other Disney film I've seen. I, I, I get the impression it didn't do well at the box office because I didn't really watch the film when it came out. It didn't get a lot of hype, but I can see why from watching it, but I think it's a really good film. So I have a few um, ones I'm just going to name off to actually, I think I only have like a few I'm just going to name off and I'll do a couple honorable mentions here. Uh, First one I want to say, because I just gave it a rewatch because I saw it on Disney plus and I was like, I'm just going to spout off about this, but I don't have much to say about it because I had not seen it since I was a little kid. James and the Giant Peach. Yes. Um, I I had not seen this since theaters 1998, I think. Uh, I rewatched that film like 20 times. It's so good. um, I love the stop motion in it. It, it, It's based off what a Ronald Dahl. uh, Dahl. Is that what it's based off of? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just, I rewatched it like two days ago. Uh, but while my daughter was napping, I was just like, I, I had Disney plus open cause she was just watching stuff. And I was like, Oh my God, James and giant Peach. Fuck. Yes. So, um, but I guess that's just a recommendation, but if you really, I mean, you touched on stop motion. I didn't have anything on my top five or stop motion. I kind of wish I did, but there you go. James and the giant peach, a classic that I don't think gets talked about a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah, nobody talks about that a lot. Like, so I, it's weird. almost like it's this forgotten thing. I, I just fucking thought it was so goddamn fun. Um, Character designs are incredible. Yeah, say that. yeah, yeah. Uh, more recently, a couple years ago, another Disney, a Pixar film, um, Soul. Yeah. Uh, that, I, I don't want to say it flew under the radar, but like, I didn't hear a lot of chatter about it, and I'm, I'm sure that's just me, um, but I was moved by that film that the one of the final scenes in the movie where he just kind of uh the character jamie fox is voicing i think yeah jamie fox is yeah Yeah. um he just kind of he's like alone in his room or something he's playing the piano and he just kind of stops and he's just like he's just being he's just you know what scene i'm talking about i can't put it into words he just gets very quiet and they cut to like it's like him in a room he's playing and he just kind of stops and he just kind of listens. And he's like, it's almost like he's taking everything in around him. And then it like, will yeah, cut to like outside his apartment. Too. And then it cuts to like yeah. the city, New York. And then it cuts to like the world. And it's just like yeah. the message of it is just like, you know, why are we in this hustle culture so much, you know, yeah. like we should just kind of take it easy. Pixar is one of those things where I feel like when I, when I saw so I was like, oh my god, they're reading my mind because I like I need to break this hustle mentality I have. Yeah, that's that's kind of the message I got from it. Um, yeah, Soul's just a great one. Yeah. Um, 
I, I wanted to maybe, so I really only had like two ones I wanted to name off, but like three actual honorable mentions. Uh, first one I wanted to go with is a movie that I don't even know if it came and went in the 1990s. I don't even know what year it came out, but I tracked it down. Uh, you ever heard of the page master? Yes. I've never seen it. I watched the first scene and it scared the shit out of me, but I've never watched the whole thing. So the page master is based off of a, a book that I had when I was a kid. And, um, my mom must've been so hyped when she told me there was a movie coming out about the book because I was obsessed with this book. And I remember the book cover, like makes it look like this old fucking biblical, like book. Like, That's like so cool. <laughs> the artwork in it is so like, it looks like it belongs in the Sistine chapel at just some of the stuff in it is so crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they came out with a, uh, the first like, you know, 20 minutes are a live action and turns into, you get sucked into a cartoon um, of like these different genres of like books you find in a library. One's like an action adventure and it's like a pirate. And I think the pirate is voiced by Patrick Stewart. And cool. then you get, then you get sucked into like a fantasy book and like the, the, main character in that world is like voiced by Whoopi Goldberg. The kid is played by Macaulay Culkin. I think it's like one of yeah. his, I don't want to say it's one of his last movies, but it's like, it was, it was kind of at the end of his run. I remember in the night. He's like a teenager, right? Yeah. He's he was kind of starting to get up there into his teen years. And we kind of heard, you know, the unfortunate end of kind of what happened with his career, but yeah. Um, and then I think, uh, yeah, it's just so much freaking fun. Um, I love it. Uh, I was so happy to track it down. I needed to at least talk about it, put it on my list. I don't know where yeah. you find it right now. I found a, um, I think it was streaming on Amazon Prime and I don't think it's on there anymore, unfortunately. So I don't know where the hell you can find it now. Uh, next there a one... scene at the beginning. Uh, Good. Wasn't there a scene at the beginning where the, the painting is melting or something? Yeah, yeah. That, there, there's That face scared the shit out of me as a child. I could never get past that moment. But now that you mentioned it, maybe I'll watch it because I kind of want to know what happens. I don't think, yeah, if you're, if anybody with kids listening and you want to show them some nostalgic nineties animation movies, it depends on the age. I think maybe like older <laughs> childhood, like there's, there's, there's some kind of elements that might creep out like little kids in this one. Um, and uh, next on my list is definitely something not for kids. Cause I don't even really know what the fucking plot of this is. So I got to read it off IMDb. It is fairly new. It's streaming over on shutter. Uh, it's called Mad God. It's created by Phil Tippett. Um, huh. Special effects maestro behind like, uh, you know, some of the some of the effects on like Jurassic Park and whatnot. Been in the business oh, for a long cool. time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been working on this film for 30 years. It's stop motion. Uh, here's the plot. Right, I'll just Mad say the God. plot and take it, take it how you want. Him. And I can't say the plot because a window just opened on IMDb Pro. And what the fuck is happening? Hmm. all right hold on a second this poster looks dope i'm i'm, I'm looking at it on imdb right now i'm like this is, yeah this is cool uh it's a character called the assassin travels through a nightmare underworld of tortured souls ruined cities and wretched monstrosities forged from the primordial horrors of the unconscious mind of phil Tippett, the world's <laughs> permanent stop motion animator <laughs> i'm in this movie is fucking why it is part like the stop motion and this is so goddamn cool and all you're doing is you're following this little character who looks like this like 
guy who works in a coal mine, um, a coal mine, like, you know, that also like has demons crawling around in it. And he goes down into this world and it, it looks like hell. It looks like hell. Everything is practical effects, stop practical, stop motion effects. I mean, I'm sure there's, you know, some other things thrown in there to enhance it a little bit, but this is a beautiful, dark, twisted, fucked up movie. Um, <laughs> it turns into like, if anybody can get what I'm saying out here, it turns into like a nine inch nails music video at some point. Oh, cool. Like, yeah, it just gets really, it just gets really weird. And it's been a few months since I've seen it. All right, look, I'll say this on the air. I don't think he's coming on, but I shot Phil Tippett, um, his production com- company, an email because I knew he was making the rounds. Oh, William, dude. And I never heard anything back, but hey, you know, we'll see what happens down the road. I don't know. Um, that I, would be amazing I, if you could I, get him on the show. I wanted to pick his brain about this so much um, because A, like there's parts of the movie where I'm like, I know exactly what's going on. And then two minutes later, I'm like, I have no fucking clue what's going on right now, but I love it. I've seen the movie like three or four times um, streaming on Shutter. If you got it, check it out. Uh, lastly, on my honorable mentions uh, is uh, where's um, lastly on my honorable mentions, Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Uh, I don't have the exact year, but I think it was like mid to late 90s. Uh, I know a lot of people our age are fans of the Batman animated series of the 1990s. Mark Hamill voicing the Joker, who is in uh, this movie. So good. Uh, yeah. I haven't seen the movie, by the way, but uh, it, I've it's, seen the animated series. It's, um, I think it still hits. Like, there, this is obviously spinned off, spinning off from the animated series. It's the same animation team behind it, the same people producing it. Uh, so they made like a little hour, 20 minute feature length film that I'm pretty sure I know DC does like straight to streaming stuff with their animated features now or Blu-rays, but this was in theaters. I remember my mom took me and I, I thought this was like the greatest movie ever made. And I was like six, seven years old, <laughs> maybe eight years old. I don't know. Uh, I was bragging about it. Like, yo, I saw Batman mask of the phantasm. Cause there's kind <laughs> of this, there's this like horror element to it. Cause there is this villain called the phantasm. Who's this ghostly, being that is coming back to haunt bruce wayne and there's kind of like a whodunit of who could this thing actually is this an actual person or is this a real ghost like i said mark hamill's joker is in it as um kind of like a he's like a villain he doesn't really come into like the end of the movie but uh it it, if you love the animated series you'll love this movie um i will say like for the fact that it's spinned off from the animated series, which is for kids, they do dive into a little bit of some adult themes in the, in the film. Um, you know, just like dealing with loss and grief and, you know, there's kind of a violent end at the end of the movie, a character dies that you didn't expect. Maybe they would have died. Um, I won't say who it is. Um. Yeah, loved it when I was a kid. It's one of those movies where I was like, "Am I gonna love this when I'm an adult?" And I still kind of thoroughly enjoy the movie. I think I have it on DVD too, but it should also be on HBO Max. Uh, so those are my honorable mentions. Nice. Let's uh, let's cap this uh, let's cap this adventure off. You give me your top one. All right. So to top off my last film of the night. 
Um, I decided to go with a film that came out around 2001 that it kind of came and went under the radar. I know there was an animated series that followed it, but um, I just think it's a really fun film with a really clever premise that recycles old genres and builds kind of a cool little hybrid genre crossover. Um, it is a film with the voice acting talents of Chris Rock, David High Pierce, Florence Fishburne, and Brandy. Oh, I know what this is. I'm talking, of course, about Osmosis Jones. A deadly virus. A city at risk. Two unlikely heroes. And it's all inside this man's body. This summer, we're going into a body under attack from a killer virus. I'm contagious. You busted! Give it up! I have not seen this in a long time. It is a fucking hilarious romp of just pure joy and just hilariously funny and naughty, edgy humor. Um, It is a buddy cop movie and also a body cop movie because the whole movie takes place inside of a human body. So yes. So this is is a half live action, half animated film about a cop who is a white blood cell who basically takes care of, um, you know, the human body. He's a, he's a, he's a cop. He's a cop who basically patrols the the body of a man named Frank played by Bill Murray. Um, The cop's name is Osmosis Jones played by Chris Rock. And he's basically there to take care of Frank. So um, in the movie, um, there is a deadly virus that enters Frank's body named Thrax, voiced by Lawrence Fishburne. And um, Bill Murray decides to take a pill that becomes the secondary character of the film, who's, uh, a, who's who, the pill is basically, I don't know how to describe a character except that it's a pill, but the pill's <laughs> name is Drix. <laughs> Might be one of the few times in cinema history where the character is a pill. Um, it's played, uh, Pill's name is Drix, played by, uh, voiced by David Hyde Pierce, and, Mm -hmm. um, him and uh, Osmosis Jones basically team up to track down the bad guy and eviscerate it. Um, and it's just a very fun buddy cop movie that's also, that plays with the tropes a little bit, but also kind of reinvents itself, um, in a lot of cool ways. That's a, let me see my notes real quickly. Um. It's uh, also directed by the Fairley brothers who are kind of having a nice heyday in the nineties. Cause I, know I didn't know that. Yeah. So I was like, cause they, what was it? They did dumb and dumber something about Mary. So then this movie, so they, me, made, myself and Irene, yeah. me, myself and Irene. So then they make, they make this movie. Um, and one of the things I like about this movie is they, um, I mean, just first and foremost, the world building is, is just really fantastic. So like, 
um, they have uh, scenes that take place in the human brain, which is basically like their city hall. Um, they have uh, the stomach, which basically works as Grand Central Station, where like people sort of like enter the body, and you know, it's like a, it's kind of like a uh, it's a big train station. Uh, the digestive tract, the, the intestines, basically works as a stinky shipyard, like an, as an exit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like. There's so much to get into here, but like basically it's just, it's, it's a really fun movie. And there's like scenes where, I mean, throughout the whole movie, while um, Osmosis Jones and Drix are chasing down Thrax, we cut to um, Bill Murray, who's just basically a guy just who has maybe the worst hygiene of any character I've seen in a movie. Yeah. Um, the way he actually contracts the virus is basically eating a hard boiled egg, which he salts until there's a mountain of salt on top. Um, he works at a zoo, by the way, when this happens. A he's, he's next to a chimp cage. The chimp grabs the egg, puts it in his mouth, and then Bill Murray fights with the chimp. <laughs> the egg drops on the ground. Murray picks up the egg, says 10 second rule, and eats it. And that's how he contracts the virus. Wow. I, so, I, I remember him literally looking sick as a dog the entire movie. Yeah. Yeah, so the movie, in addition to being a really funny comedy, does take some dark turns because at one point Bill Murray gets really sick and uh, needs to go to a hospital. Um, throughout that whole movie, before I get, I know I'm jumping, I'm jumping the gun a little bit. Before I get to that scene, just want to talk about how funny it is to see Bill Murray gets gradually more and more sick. So basically, like Drix and Osmosis Jones take a trip through the body, go to the nasal cavity. You know, Bill Murray's blowing his nose, and suddenly there's like a flood of mucus that are about to like wash the characters away, which is really funny. Um, and then they get to uh, <laughs> there's a scene where um, <laughs> Bill Murray is um, trying to make amends with uh, Bill Murray has Bill, Bill Murray's character as a daughter in the movie, and, um, and there's a scene where um, Osmosis Jones, in kind of a buddy cop movie fashion, the, the, the cop talks about how uh, he made he. He, he did this one mistake in his past and he, he might regret and he kind of regrets it. So like there's this scene where Osmosis Jones is, um was, uh, he was, he's like, he's on patrol in the stomach one day and suddenly there's a, uh, I see this uh, virus. And so, and Osmosis goes to this like button that's his puke. So he pushes it and like, you know, and Bill, meanwhile, Bill Murray is like at a science fair talking with their teacher and he pukes on the teacher <laughs> and like, and, and that's and that's how Osmosis got demoted to like you know patrol cop or something. So like they're playing with like these tropey cop genres, but in a really funny way. There's also a scene where Osmosis Jones is trying to chase down the bad guy, and he shoots a tower that causes a giant cramp in Bill Murray's leg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But my favorite scene is when um they go to this um <laughs> they're 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 they find there's this um. They're basically trying to shake down this pimp named uh, Flu Shot, I think. <laughs> and he basically, and Flu Shot tells him about this new joint. He's like, "There's a new joint in town called the Zit," and it's basically because Bill Murray is like, he's he's really bad at like he eats so much fried chicken that he develops a giant zit on his yeah. forehead. So um, our heroes go to this club called the Zit, and they go inside and basically tune the place up. They find the bad guy and they're trying to like arrest him and like. You know, shit goes wrong and like Drix um basically pulls out a bomb. Meanwhile, Bill Murray is trying to make amends with his daughter's teacher, and he has a bulb of zit that's slowly growing. So nasty. And so Drix pulls out a meanwhile, Drix 
pulls out a grenade. The place just explodes. <laughs> and then the zit flies off of Bill Murray and hits oh, the teacher I... on the lip. It's so nasty. <laughs> it's so nasty, but it was such a funny scene. It's just like, you know, the you know the Fairly brothers love to just have that one disgusting set piece yeah. scene that was kind of like sort of the the stuff in the hair and then the, you know, the yeah. <laughs> So this was kind of their this was kind of their scene in that movie. And it was just like it's just it's just a really funny scene. Um Molly Shannon plays the teacher, she's great, but it was just like it's a really good scene. Um the whole movie is just filled with um I just want to say one Chris Rock obviously is is just like a genius and does a lot of like does a lot of his Chris Rock riffing. There's a scene where like him and Drix are driving to like their neck to the crime scene and Drix is like, where'd you study? And Osmosis Jones is like, study? When you grew up on the wrong side of the digestive tract, you ain't got no money for no fancy schools. He's <laughs> like, oh, and Osmosis is like, I'm not kidding, man. My school is crack central. No, it was, it was in the crack, right in the stanky puckered center. Have you ever had to blow your hair with a fart? Drix is like, okay, I get it. I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's genius. It's genius. Yeah. It's so good. Um, anyway, to wrap things up, I gotta um, revisit this. It's so good. When we uh, get to the end, so Bill Murray at one point basically delivers an almost deadly fever, gets sent to the hospital. It's and it basically it's it's parallel to what's happening. So like Thrax um, manages to get to the central nervous system of the brain and grab um, basically like I guess I don't know the fucking the. I don't know the naming system for body parts or something, but he basically grabs a piece of Bill Murray's like DNA or something in the brain that could kill him if it's not restored. And um, basically osmosis has to save the day and get the pearl back and put into Bill Murray before he flatlines. And it's just a very, it gets pretty dark, but all in all, I won't spoil it, but it is a very, I mean, spoiler, not, not quite spoilers, but um, it is a very, very good, very funny animated film with a lot of clever premises. Yeah, I don't understand why it didn't get a sequel because it is extremely clever. It might have been one of those animated films that just kind of flew under the radar and just never really. I got remember when it came out. I remember. Yeah. I remember. I saw it in theaters. I really, really liked it. I... Yeah, I did too. You think you you think so? I mean, it's like because Chris Rock and David Hyde Pierce had such good chemistry. Yeah, I, I feel like we. Uh, we don't get um because everything's so like this brand and this brand and this brand yeah. and stuff like we don't get like it's either like you get animation on disney or you get it through universal now like i don't know what osmosis jones was released under like was that like a 20th century i think it was dreamworks let me check oh well, whatever I think it was from the animators of either Space Jam or um, Iron Giant, which is also a great film. Um, I don't remember. It's uh, that's there somewhere. I don't remember. <laughs> so much for research, but that's eh, a good. It's a good. Oh, it's Warner Brothers. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. Because like I don't know, you just you don't. I don't know. I feel like there's just like studios right now that just don't do animation like how they used to like kind of that end yeah. of the 90s into the early 2000s it's like there's a lot of uh companies out there that just don't produce them and like it's almost like maybe they didn't churn them out as much as disney or dreamworks did but like they were still good at it you know yeah but, i don't know 
even after like I, I don't know if hand drawn hand drawn animated moves is a dying art, but I certainly feel like there's a lot less of that than before, and yeah. I'm kind of worry. But at the same time, I just hope. I mean, at the end of the day, I just hope the stories are still original enough that I'll go see an animated film. But you know, yeah, time will tell. But you know, with people like Miyazaki out there who are still making hand handwritten or hand drawn animated features or Studio Ghibli for that matter, yeah, you know, I just I just hope the future is still. It's still hopeful. Well, that's a solid segue yeah. uh, into what I got. And the thing is, Carrie, I was hyped. I know which film it is. What? I think I know which film it is. Continue. So the thing is, Carrie, um, I, I I was like keeping this kind of under wraps. Um, and God damn it. I, I, I can't keep it under wraps anymore because uh, you just said it. My top pick of the episode is 1999's The Iron Giant. Two nights ago, a SATCOM radar detected an unidentified object entering Earth's atmosphere. This is the greatest discovery since television or something. Warner Brothers Family Entertainment presents The story of a young boy I, I was hoping I could go this whole episode without talking about the Iron Giant. And then like two minutes ago, you just said it. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> I wish I saw the look on your face. Well, I tried to like conceal it. I was just like, ah, he said Iron Giant. Damn it. I love this movie. Uh, yeah. I, I, I don't know if it's like my favorite animation, animated feature film of all time. But uh, when I think of the ones that I really connect with um this is in the conversation at least and i think it's really Ooh. prominent it's really prominent in the conversation right now older i get to uh i didn't even see this when it came out in theaters because it was such a box office bomb it like came and went um and it's not because it's a bad movie at all it, it, at least in my yeah. opinion uh supposedly the marketing was really bad behind this they didn't know how to target an audience even with children for it, it was released by warner brothers and i think it was initially going to go to disney um which you know if you look at the plot line and everything and kind of the core messages like yeah disney could have done something with it but i guess there was i was watching a video essay a couple hours ago before we started recording mm. on the iron giant and um it was actually a really good video essay sponsored by that streaming platform movie if you've heard of that one um which one it's called Mubi. Is it Mubi? M-U-B-I. Um, I think I've heard of it. Yeah, they're kind of like, they kind of got like a Criterion vibe. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, I, I dig it. But um, they have a podcast too. It's kind of cool. <laughs> but they yes. made this cool video essay and they actually showed like early concept art when the film was going to go to Disney. And they Disney wanted to make it like a musical. <laughs> and like Brad Bird, the director who eventually became yeah. big with Disney, 
didn't want it to go. He didn't want to do a musical with this subject matter. Uh, I, I guess he has a real personal connection with the overall kind of message of being absolutely a person in pieces and trying to put everything back together. Cause I, I guess, um, I don't know. He was dealing when he was like shopping the movie around and he got attached to it. I guess he was dealing with a personal issue of it's kind of dark here, but I guess his sister was murdered by um, her estranged oh, wow. husband. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, so when he was making this movie, he was working out, I think, like a lot of grief. And I think that's why there's such a strong emotional core to it. Yeah. Uh, so Iron Giant, um, if anybody who doesn't know what the plot is, let me just go by IMDb Pro, just say it in a professional manner. A young boy befriends a giant robot from outer space and that a paranoid government agent wants to destroy. Simple. It's literally like there's so many parallels to E.T. I feel in this movie. Yeah. Um, even just like the first time uh, Hogarth there, the boy, finds Hogarth. the giant. Uh, it just, I don't want to say it's ripping off E.T. because I, I, I love both the films, but like there's a lot of strong comparisons that it's almost kind of like scary the first time we see the giant. Um, yes. There's a lot of strong ET parallels. Uh, the iron giant is voiced by none other than Vin Diesel. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's so cool. Um, I, I, I before, think before fast and the furious. Yeah. Before fast and the furious, he had done a few things. I think he, I think he, I mean, he wasn't like big. Fast and Furious is what kind of really launched him, but he did Saving Private Ryan. I think yes. he was kind of in that small stage where he was an up and comer, but kind of yeah, there's a Boiler Room, I think, too. Oh, yeah. There's a couple ones, but um, yeah, Vin Diesel is a voice. Harry Connick Jr. is another voice, and Jennifer Aniston uh, as oh, well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm watching movie- the trailer right now, and I'm just like so just in all the animation. Um, I, this animation is, I yearn for this, and I don't have a problem with any animation out there today. I think there's a lot of cool, different styles out there right now, but I don't think anybody's doing this like late nineties kind of 2d slash kind of 3d animation that we see in the iron giant. Yeah. I mean, you, you saw this also, and I forgot, I should have mentioned this in my honorable mentions, but I had Titan AE. Yeah. Same. But I just like I didn't I didn't really have much to say about it. But yeah, Titan A is a fucking cool sci-fi action movies from turn of the yeah. century. Also, um, a great just like a beautiful hand-drawn animation along with yeah. computer effects. Like they do a superb job with it. There is so much nostalgia factor in this movie. Um, but sometimes when you get nostalgic about like an old animated film, sometimes and like I said, sometimes they just don't hit. But I think because this is such a well-crafted story, and you got like a director working out maybe some personal issues um, into the story. Uh, I, I just think that's why it just hits so much more. This takes place, I think in 1954 Maine. And um, it's during like real big cold war paranoia. Yeah. And one thing I love about the animation again, with it being 2d, there is an element to it that feels like a Norman Rockwell painting. Mm. Um I just, it looks, it has that like, you know, real Americana, you know, kind of stuff you saw in 
Norman Rockwell paintings and a few other ones, I, I think from that video essay, I can't remember that it, they were comparing it to. Also a little bit Spielberg influence because there's a little bit of Rockwell oh. iconography. Oh yeah, Spiel definitely. And E.T. for sure. Definitely. Like it's crazy to think like Spielberg didn't have anything to do with this, I don't think. And because um, it there is, it does yeah it feels very spielbergian if that's what we call it and obviously the obviously the et parallels um but one thing i was kind of feeling when i went back to watch it is you know there is this um i don't know if it's tone or just like the the overall vibe of looking back at like that period in america through like a norman Rock rockwell painting i can't say that fast yeah. norman rockwell uh, the 1950s, 1960s, and like, you know, America is supposed to be this like kind of nice place in that time period. And it really was not. Uh, nope. You had nuclear war, people absolutely nervous about like getting bombed to shit every day. Yeah. Uh, the news had so much propaganda in it. And you're seeing it all in this movie. Yeah. And like, it, you know, there's the age old saying is like, ah, it's not like how it used to be. And you kind of got to look back and like, see like, well, how was it really back then? And I think the iron giant really captures that era really well. And just to get down to the core of it of, you know, little boy meets oddball creature character, even though it's a giant robot from space. And now the government wants to get its hands on it. Uh, the ending of this movie Oh my God. So beautiful. Like I it's just, you can't help but get misty eyed or even ball your eyes out about it. I'm not going to give it away. A lot of people have seen the iron giant, but I think there's a lot of people that maybe the iron giant isn't, they know of it, but they've never seen it or they've seen parts of it. Beautiful ending. And you see why Brad bird has gone on to make some phenomenal uh, films after the fact, uh, fun little fact about the movie. Um, and, I saw this again in our video. I watched about it. Uh, Brad Bird gets a call from, uh, from uh, Guillermo del Toro after the movie's wow. release. And he sees it. And like, this is for del Toro really got to become who he is today. This is, you know, yeah. 20 years ago. I think all he had his name was like, uh, well, I mean, he had some Kronos, good. Chronos. Yeah. He had Kronos. Like it, yeah. But like, I, but like American, um, like blockbuster films. I, I don't know what he had had under his belt. At the I time. don't think he had anything until Blade Two. Yeah, which was two thousand and two, and then he made Pan's Labyrinth, and now yeah, kind of took off. Um, I guess he called him, and like they they play a voicemail in the video, and absolutely praising Brad Bird for the movie, and he's just like, you know, do not worry about the fact that this is not making any money you have made a classic um, mm. and people are going to remember this movie forever. Yeah. And a lot of people really have, like if you just, if you're ever in a conversation like this and you drop iron giant into a conversation, there's at least one person that's just like, I fucking love that movie. Yeah. Whew. I hadn't seen that film since some, um, I watched it in college and I remember actually it being kind of, I don't want to say event, but like we really responded to that movie. Like it was really moving and just went like, fantastic characters and just the relationship yeah. between the boy and the robot was really sweet. And the robot was just really cool to look at. And yeah. That fucking government agent was such a slimy, unctuous. Yeah. He, know, he's someone that like easily person. 
lives in fear so he spreads fear yeah. tactics and there's just there's so many themes in the iron giant that we see today and yeah. you've probably seen in times in between when the film takes place and now um so it, yeah there's just it's a big micro i i love movies even animated films you can do something like this just make a period piece about boy meets oddball boy he's not really an oddball but you know meets something in the woods and befriends it um and it's taking place during a very tense time in the world uh i, I just love movies that kind of give it a really nice backdrop with something that really happened i guess yeah. brad bird's pitch to warner brothers was and i quote what if a gun knew it was a gun but didn't want to be a gun and it had a choice because wow. it had a soul and that in essence is the iron giant wow yeah so okay. you know, there's, there's a there's the beautiful scene where they find the deer that was killed in the woods and hogarth teaches the giant pretty much about what violence can do to a living thing and it's like oh my god like yeah there are just some tones and themes in this where you're like, wow. Um, so I love the Iron Giant. It was it was streaming on HBO Max recently, but I think it's I don't think it's on there anymore. So I don't think you can. I mean, if you got to find it anywhere, you got to pay for it probably. But it's around. I love this movie. Yeah. It didn't dawn on me until like talking about until our conversation that there's a lot of sleeper sleeper hits like a lot of animated feature film sleeper hits that just didn't really blossom anywhere outside yeah. of i mean i probably blossomed for a little bit but it didn't really kind of catch on to i don't know i don't know what i'm saying like it seems like with the streaming oh, with right. streaming out there like even sleeper hits kind of have like a longer shelf life than like sleeper hits that came out like in the early 90s uh late 90s early 2000s because like even when you think of that or tiny or osmosis or like you know ants or anything it's just these are just really cool classic films that people love that I don't know if younger generations necessarily reference, but no, but you know, that's why we have these podcasts. So we can (laughs) bring it to the surface. So I guess so. Do you feel like as a father, you're always thinking about like what you want to raise your daughter on in terms of what animated films to watch or. Um, Yeah literally every day and it sucks that like <laughs> she's only it doesn't suck <laughs> she's six months old and like i i i can't be like hey this is uh such and such like let's sit down and enjoy it like you know i i am at this point though where she is aware of what's going on. she she's aware of this television yeah Um, she's aware that there's something going on on it and i mean i i put her down in um you know her little swing set and i put her up you know she's looking at the tv and i'll play like youtube compilation videos of just these like sing-alongs and they're animated uh videos and so she's like she sits there dude she's gonna be a cinephile like i i I didn't even really have to do anything like she sits there and she's just like, she just, she doesn't like go crazy. I'm nervous. She's going to fall asleep, but no, she's just like engaged and just kind of staring and she's intrigued. So yeah, I'm definitely going to obviously show her some stuff from what I grew up with what stuff before my time, you know, obviously her stuff too. 
I don't know what else. Like, I mean, dude, I put on like the last dragon. <laughs> yeah, Dave, you know I think that I've one. Seen it. You don't know the last dragon. I've heard of it. I don't know if I've seen it. Is that a Disney or was that some other company? Dude, it is. God, that's another podcast right there, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a it really um, the surface. The last it one. is when uh Motown Records was making movies in the 80s. <laughs> what? Dude, it is a I didn't know that. <laughs> so this is it's oh my god. Are you looking it up right now? The Last Dragon? Yeah. I found one in 1985, but I don't know if it's uh, That is it right there. It, it is a action. It is a no, I I know. I, I was just throwing it. We're gonna cut this part out. <laughs> okay, okay, fine. Um, no, it's a martial arts black exploitation. Not not really black exploitation. I don't know. Um, it's a martial arts RMB movie. <laughs> so the actress's name is Vanity. Oh yeah, Vanity's dope, man. Oh, she was in uh she was a writer on Beverly Hills Cop. I don't know about that. Uh, maybe, but um, action, all right. Action. Let me wrap this up here. Yeah, um, got it. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely look forward to introducing her to stuff. Um, I, if I want to watch like a messed up horror movie, I have to watch when she goes to sleep because <laughs> I was like feeding her and like I, I was just like kind of watching like a, a just some slasher movie that I hadn't finished from the night before, and she's like looking over at the TV. I'm like, oh wow, I, I can't she, I can't show her death. <laughs> like, even it's though she doesn't know what play, that is but like it's playing in the background while you're feeding her i just like it used to be like i needed distraction and so i would yeah. just like i was just i would just like need something to do while i'm feeding her and then like i would just put something on and i, I put like on a, a scary movie and now she starts to look over at the tv if something's on so i nope no more of that now it's already starting to happen <laughs> um well cool man we did it uh i think we broke our old record of two hours and 15 minutes actually we're almost we're almost there but two uh, hours and 53 minutes i think yeah it's pretty close the michael bay episode was probably around three episodes uh or three three hours i can't talk anymore (laughs) we've been doing this for a while it felt like three episodes it Um, did yeah i didn't think this would be this was a fun this was fun it's it was it's it's exhausting only because it's like 10 30 at night, but this, this, was, a, this was a fucking blast. <laughs> uh, yes, it was. Uh, Carrie, do you have anything you need to plug before we call it a wrap? I don't have jack shit, but I will say that um, if you, okay, I'll just uh, let me get myself together. I'm tired. Um, so, what the fuck am I working on? I'm working on a few short films, but me, by the time this is going to be released they're probably going to be in the middle of production <laughs> nice. but um i will say this um if you want to learn more about what i'm working on you can follow me at care v productions on instagram um currently i'm in pre-production for a um web series comedy about uh cafe about a cafe it's kind of like clerks but at a cafe it's just basically about like a comedy about employers working at a workplace they don't want to work at work. Nice. <laughs> um, I have a short film coming up about uh, two people on a date who want to draw each other. That's happening in October. I don't know when this episode will be released, but if you are interested in either collaborating or auditioning, carry V productions on Instagram. Um, I have a website, Carrie Vishwanathan. You can put all this in the link. I'm not going to spell my name. 
Um, <laughs> and um, not much else to cover, but uh, had a blast once again talking flicks with you. Yeah, dude. Thanks again. We'll we'll uh, we'll reconvene and we will uh, think of the next two and a half, three hour adventure. Sweet. <laughs> All right. Thank you all for listening. Uh, go watch, go watch one of those movies we talked about today, uh, or just track down something on your own. Enjoy some cartoons, people. See you next week.